Bowl podcast fans, friends, and followers, welcome to week two of the season. Niners off to Philadelphia Eagles, both one and one coming in. I think the Niners right now are three and a half point underdogs, so stay tuned for that. We have a really great show uh, today. This week it is George Kittle matching up with Zach Ertz, longtime great tight end out of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles organization. So we're super excited. And uh, we'll be featuring a little bit of a look at Zach Ertz, uh, his foundation that he and his wife. And if you don't know who Julie Ertz is, you better check it out. So uh, American soccer and uh, female feminine, femon, what do you, what's the word? I don't know. But anyway, she's pretty dang good. Anyway, so they have the Ertz Family Foundation. So we're proud to support those guys. And then with our uh, partnership with MVP, which is merging veterans with uh, pros. Uh, this week's veteran guest is Elliot Ruiz. Ruiz. I know I got that wrong. Sorry, Elliot. But anyway, he didn't mind. He said it's okay. He'll answer to whatever. So he's on. He's a Marine injured in combat in Iraq and uh, from North. It's N-O-R-F, I guess. North Philly. Anyway, so he's on the show and he's going to talk to us a little bit about his experience and the transition back to the United States after being injured and what he's up to now. And then his charity and part of our partnership, because it's our first show, is with MVP. So we're going to dive into that a little bit and talk how people can support, in general, veterans coming back, as well as MVP. So super excited about the show. Stay tuned and hold on to your hats. Two, one, action! Okay, and that was lame on your part. All right. Here we go. Intro week two, 49ers at the Eagles in freaking Philadelphia. This week, the Niners stayed out east at their favorite hotel, the Greenbrier in West Virginia. It is a beautiful, be- beautiful place. Anyway, George can tell us more about that. They're going to play another game out east this week after being in Detroit. And this time it is the fiercely loyal city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, PA. And we are proud to be there. I just have to phase back. I attended our last Niner trip there in 2017, Super Bowl year for those Eagles. And I must say I got zero brotherly or sisterly love from anybody in green. I about got my ass kicked about 20 times. It was more like I got MF'd and threatened nonstop from the train ride into the game. I got on the train, the little car I was on from downtown. I was the only guy in red, packed, elbow to elbow, never stopped. It was almost like a course by the end. MF, you suck, get out of here. Anyway. Entering the stadium, the entire game while seated, and even getting a beer after the game. So anyway, I'm looking forward to going back, and we will see how that works out. And you know that on the uh, Philadelphia Eagles website, they actually posted a thing, and a warning and a caution to Niner fans if you attend the game. So anyway, it'll be a very local and in-your-face group. So Niner fans traveling to Philly, come loud, be proud, uh, but stay together and be safe. Don't go anywhere by yourself. Anyway, so – Very few players can represent a franchise as well as our very, very, very special guest this week, Zach Ertz. Zach has been an icon with the Eagles throughout his career, and we're grateful this week to have him with us. One of the premier tight ends over the past eight seasons and has just done an unbelievable job elevating the game of the tight end for everybody. So uh, all these years spent with Eagles in Philly, and we want to welcome Zach in and being part of the show. We're very grateful to have you, and uh, this really ties together well. So thank you, Zach, for being with us. G-Man, bio us. Nice intro, Bruce. Love yeah, Brandon. The bio just off the top. All right, I'll do that again. Uh, well, Zach, thank you so much for coming on the Hidden Pearls podcast. Really appreciate it, man. Uh, taking some time out of your day after some hard practices, so thank you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Zach Ertz. Uh, let's see. Was that <clears> – <throat> went to Stanford, 
you know, those are the guys that say they're tied in you, but we can get into that later. It is what it is. You know, you made it out of there. Uh, so I'm proud of you for that. Um, but that was what, 2013 draft class, second round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. Awesome. Um, and all you've done with it is, you know, add a, you know, three Pro Bowls and a Super Bowl win and a game winning touchdown catch in said Super Bowl. That's pretty dope. Uh, it's awesome. Super sick. I remember I was sitting when you caught that ball. It was awesome. So always been a fan. So excited to have you on here, especially excited to meet you at tight and you for, I mean, like, you know, we met in games, but like getting to hang out, hit some top golf, do some fun stuff. That was awesome. But you know, more than anything, just thank you for taking time out of your day to hang out with me and my family. I love it. Okay, mm. Well, he skipped a bunch of stuff. So anyway, so Zach, all right. So I had some cool stuff in there about Stanford, which George uh, jumped over. I called you an intellectual elitist having your played your game at Stanford because that's how yeah. all you guys are. And then after those cushy days at Stanford, where everybody held your hand and wiped your ass for you, drafted by the Eagles in the second round. So that's all good. All right. And then oh, you don't beat forget, the Patriots. Don't forget uh, 116 catches set a record in 2000. I'm going. That's where I'm going. So three-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, entering the ninth season, 6'5", 250 pounds of steel and rock. A couple of his records in the first seven seasons – he played, he produced more receptions, 525, than any other tight end has in the history of the league. He ranked second all-time in receptions for the Eagles, only behind the infamous Hall of Famer Michael Carmichael. And his 116 receptions in 2018 set the all-time tight end season record for receptions by the tight end, and is still the record today. So anyway, Zach, really appreciate you, man. You've done a great job. And uh, really, I remember exactly where I was when you guys beat the Patriots, so I was certainly cheered for you at that time. All right, Lubu, you want to go background? Yes. Welcome, right. Zach. Uh, so throwing it back, I uh, grew up in Orange County, Monte Vista High School. Uh, what was your favorite thing about Cali and what do you miss about it? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, probably the weather. The fact that it's perfect year round is probably the biggest thing I miss, per se. Um, but I do like getting the seasons. I don't love the snow out here in Philly, but I do like fall and spring. Um, summer is good. I mean, it's a little humid, but I like the four seasons, but I do miss George just living the life every day, sunny and 75. Tough gig out there. It's so, so, it? so hard what to wake up it? in 75 degree weather. Yeah, it's so. rough, man. Um, so what was it like for you? Because you went from Orange County to Stanford and then was Philadelphia kind of your first time experiencing the elements in that way? So I, I was born in Orange County, moved up to Northern California in the East Bay when I was seven or eight, whatever, however old I was, and then went to Stanford from Northern California. So it was only like 45 minutes away from where I grew up, Stanford. Um, I have three little brothers, so it was super easy, super close to home. My mom and brothers used to come to all the games. Um, and then being drafted out here 3,000 miles away was definitely eye-opening. Um, but my mom and dad actually went to college out here in Pennsylvania, so it was kind of a little homecoming for them. Um, but it was definitely a culture shock per se. They're very blunt, as you will learn on Sunday, Bruce. <laughs> I know, you, baby. Know. you already know. Um, and I mean, I've loved it now. I love the city. I love being here. It's been a lot of fun. What was your first winter like? Uh, so we played in the snow. I don't know if you guys remember this. We played Detroit at home and it was like not supposed to snow that day. And we come out after warm ups. So it's perfect weather. It's a little chilly come back out for the game, there's a 16 inches of snow on the ground. I literally didn't even want the ball this game. This is the one game that I was like, you guys get to the end of the game. Hopefully we win. Um, it was definitely eye-opening. I didn't know if football was for me in Philly after that game, but <laughs> needless to say, we overcame that adversity. 
Right. Well, there we go. You were just praying for them to run the ball. <laughs> yeah. Please. And, and, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Okay. So out of your out of your three siblings, though, let's go back to that. So uh, who would you say is the toughest and what is the strongest lesson that your family has taught you? Oh, hard hitting questions. The toughest. I mean, they're all tough. I'm going to say my mom's the toughest. I'm going to go above the brothers. My mom's the toughest. That's the easy answer. Um, what have they taught me? I think just being the oldest of four boys, I think um, the house was a lot of fun growing up. Obviously, it was a lot of competition growing up. But I think being the oldest, you kind of have to set the standard. Um, it's anyway when you lead anything, when you, whether you lead a family, whether you lead a team, you're setting the standards for everyone. Um, and I think that's the thing that has carried me, having that mindset even when I was younger um, to today. That's awesome. And so then I guess let's transition transition it to, uh, do you ever get called Mr. Julie Ertz? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's an honor. Um, I have a jersey that says Mr. Ertz, uh, one of her jerseys for the national team. So. I don't mind. I'm so proud of her. I mean, we met in college, um, so we've known each other forever. We knew each other before I knew Julie played soccer, before I she knew I played football. Um, so our relationship was so much bigger than our sports. Um, but it is a lot of fun to see the hard work pay off um, on match days or game days, whatever you want to call it uh, for her. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty amazing. So, I mean, obviously you guys can train together. And what's your favorite type of training that you guys do together, whether it's mental, physical? What do you guys like to do? Um, well, I cannot do Julie's running program, so I just shy away from that. She'll just go on the treadmill and start running for like an hour. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go over here, maybe squat a few times. Uh, but I think the thing that we love to do is just be in the same place together, whether it's even though we're doing different trainings, we do so much long distance all the time. Even if whenever we are together, we try and make the most of it um, and being able to train together, do whatever together. Um, we try and make a point of that. That's awesome. Um, okay, well, let's bring it to how do you and George, uh, how, do you remember the first time that you guys kind of became aware of each other? Like, George, when was the first time that you kind of realized who Zach Ertz was? In college when I watched his tape. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like no that, doubt. Ertz was. My tight end coach would hand me Zach Ertz, Gronk, and Kelsey, and just like, hey, watch all this. Just watch these reps. And it was awesome. Um I mean, yeah, so I knew him then. And like I said, like I was I was hanging out with my QB, CJ Beathard, at his place in Nashville, Tennessee. Ran a slant route for a touchdown Super Bowl, so that was pretty sick. Um, my, see, this is – I have a bone to pick with you, Zach, because I was so pumped because I was the second string at the Pro Bowl and you didn't go in 2018. Um, was it – yeah, you didn't go in 28 – was that – yeah, so it was the next year. You didn't go – and I didn't get to hang out with you. And I was very disappointed in that because I was like, oh, dude, I got to meet Zach Ertz. This is going to be sick. But that's right. I think that might have been the year I lasted my kidney. So they're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't go to the Pro Bowl. You know, so dude, I think I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, man. But it, it's uh, not yeah. really a, it's not really a game anyway, though, Zach. Right. It's just a vacation. So I've actually Nobody, never, uh, I've been uh, obviously elected, but I've actually never played in the game. So hopefully this year, George will be able to hang out there this year. That'd be cool. You know, I'd like Super Bowl, but like going to the Pro Bowl would be really fun too. That'd be, that'd be nice. Um, yeah, dude, that was, um, that was fun. So then Zach, when was the first time George kind of came on your radar? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, so was 2017 a rookie year, George? Yeah. And so you, you guys, played, be- you played us here. And you had that one handed catch on the sideline, right? Yes, sir. And so that was the first time like I knew or I saw him play. 
Um, but the following year, I mean, he was going off every week. And so that's, that really brought my eyes to him. I think he, that was the year you originally broke the record for yards. Yep. Um, and so that was the year that it was like, this is a guy that's going to be in a Pro Bowl every year. And that's the goal. That's mm. the goal. That's the goal. Instagram a little bit, and I got to meet him. At, well, we like we met each other. Like, got to actually like talk. I think was that when you guys came to my place last year. That was like the first time we really met, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so in person for sure. That's weird. That's weird to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, yeah, then we got to hang out at you, So that was a blast. So maybe we'll get an Earth's jersey this year. Yeah, I'm working. Sunday work jersey swap. Mm, I need it. Um, that and then what else was I going to say? Oh no, never mind. I'll, I'll remember it. I'll come back to it. You go. <laughs> well, you guys mentioned tight end you a couple times, so Zach, you were there, and we're super glad to have you there. What What do you like? What were some highlights for the tight end you piece for you? Uh, just kind of curious from your perspective, like uh, being there and um, sharing all that kind of stuff with all the guys there, because the first couple of days we had forty nine guys there from the league, and I think we're hoping to have a open invite this year so as many guys that want to come throughout the league can come but uh how was tight end you for you and what were some highlights yeah, it was awesome well first of all being in nashville was never a bad time uh julie's all aboard the nashville train so maybe you guys will be seeing <laughs> Ooh, cool. uh, but i think having, just- having the urge crew at the barn in the summer would be awesome so yeah. i am i'm all in for that perfect um and then i think just like you get a bunch of tight ends together and you just see how down to earth all the guys were. And there wasn't a guy that was really like making it about himself. None of the guys thought he was better than anyone else. Everyone was really just there to have a good time and learn. I think for me, um, seeing all that play out, obviously I've known Trav forever and getting to know you better, George. But um, I think just the camaraderie of the guys, getting to know people that I didn't really know, um, that was kind of the best thing. And I didn't really know I was coming off the ankle rehab, so I wasn't really sure if I was going to be able to make it out. Um, but I'm so glad I was able to. Yeah, that was good. I think you're right about that. Just the uh, vulnerability guys showed, you know, I mean, some of the closed session stuff that we did, the guys really shared a lot and talked a lot. Some of the stories that we heard from other people. So I thought it was pretty cool. And the stuff on the field was great too, because everybody's helping each other and coaching each other and doing all that kind of piece. So that was pretty good. So, uh, well, Zach, just, so as we're getting into this, you going into your nice season, you're the wiry experience seasoned with wise veteran. So looking back right now, you know, yeah, the, you kind of, yeah, kind of getting with there. the white hair. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just, uh, I'm always interested, like what are, what are some kind of core lessons that you've learned, you know, through your experience at and, um, I know this last kind of off season was not quite exactly what you expected. And, you know, I really appreciate and respect you, you know, for kind of how you've handled everything. I and mean, I really mean that sincerely. So it's, uh, it's really a testament to you and Julie, really just about how you've handled everything and how professional you've been and how positive. So I just want to give you kudos for that, but I do want to just tap in like kind of lessons from kind of one of the you know experienced tight ends in leagues you've had a ton of success won a super bowl and all that kind of thing so what are what are some lessons that maybe you might be able to impart on folks i mean i, I think i have two things that immediately kind of stick out to me and but neither of these things i came up with myself um after my second year in the league uh i reached out to tony gonzalez um and i said hey man i know you don't know me maybe you do maybe you probably don't but i've been a huge fan of yours forever I would love to just sit down and talk. And I was down in San Diego at the time for Julie's camp. He was in Orange County where he lives. And so he said, yeah, sure, come up. We'll have lunch. And so I drove up from San Diego to Orange County, 
And he just t- talked to me about having a routine. He called it, everyone has to have their own routine of greatness. Um, and it's like, Zach, everyone's routine is going to be different. But once you find what works for you, you got to stick to it each and every day during the week, Monday to Sunday, even in the off season, the same routine of just getting better each and every day. Um, whether it be taking care of your bodies, whether it be practicing, whether it be watching film, find out what routine is best for you. And then don't go a day without that routine playing a part in how you make decisions, um, what you say no to, what you say yes to. Um, so that for me early on that I learned that was awesome. Um, and then when I was at Stanford, we had a coach. Uh, he was an assistant O-line coach, but he was like a nine-time pro bowler or something. This guy's name was Steve Wisniewski. I'm Maybe you guys know him. He played at Penn State. He was an all-pro for the Raiders for years. Uh, And he just said that – and I was 18 at the time when he talked to us. He was like, Mm -hmm. the only thing I wanted to do when I retired was retire and say I had no regrets. I have no regrets whether it be I didn't do this or I didn't work hard enough or I'm glad that I did do X, Y, and Z and sacrifice the other stuff. And so for me, that just hit me at such a young age. Like, I want to do everything I can in this chapter of my life, this season of my life. And so when I'm done, I can be at peace. It's not going to be, man, if only I worked harder, if only I studied a little more, if only I didn't go out and party, or if only I didn't do all that other dumb stuff. And so for me, just having that mentality of every day, I'm going to put everything I have into this. And so on Sundays during the season, I can always play free and kind of let the chips fall where they may. Um, And when I'm done playing, it's going to be, hey, I did everything I could. I wouldn't change a thing. Well, let me read that to you. That was one of my infamous Zachert's quotes. It's all about winning. There is such a short, this is such a short chapter of your life that I'm putting everything I have into this basket right now, whether it be on the field or off the field, in the weight room or on the practice field. So when I'm done, I can look back and say, I put everything into that. I have no regrets. There's nothing I could have done more to further my career or make me a better player. There it is. There it is, Zach Ertz. Cool. All right. Good words. All right. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Those are, that's good stuff. Routine of greatness. I like that. Having habits and making sure you're core about all those kind of pieces. So it's good. So, okay. How about then, um, Zach and George, you can flip this in. George gets to answer it every week. So he might repeat, but um, just, you know, we, we like to look at like what makes great players like Tony Gonzalez and those guys that you respect and all those kind of things. So who might be one of your favorite sports characters of all time, whether currently playing or not, could be football or not. And, and why do you kind of respect them and, and their game? Yeah, I think um, growing up in California, I mean, I didn't really start playing football until high school. And so I was really a basketball player growing up. And so for me in California, Kobe Bryant was the guy. And you, the Warriors weren't very good. So everyone watched the Lakers. And so for me growing up and just seeing Kobe every day on TV, seeing the videos, seeing all the stuff that comes out about him, uh, that was the guy that really I – gravitated towards um and just his I mean I'm not going to say that I'm this freaking Kobe Bryant but just the way he approached the game each and every day the way he had this ruthless mentality that he wanted he spoke to us uh in 2017 he said when I was playing someone I wanted to make him feel like I should have chosen another profession and just having that mindset (laughs) guy cannot stop me this guy can't guard me um he'd be better off being an accountant right now than trying to guard me and so just the mentality for him is something that I feel like, I mean, you can watch Kobe Bryant videos all day and just pick up fact after fact after fact. Um, and so for me, that was always the game. Cool. Yeah. Mamba mentality, man. Yeah. Let, let the Cobra out, man. That's, that's pretty cool. All right. George, you want to add anybody? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, fun. Like, I mean, Kobe's, yeah, he, he was my favorite when I was growing up. I was never like, I was a basketball fan. 
but I really only paid attention to Kobe. Like I didn't watch every single game and stuff, but like the mom mentality stuff, I flipped the switch was always just so interesting to me and like just how awesome and aggressive he was at all times. Oh, sorry. I'm still here. Did I lose you guys? I'm back. You're good. You're back. Uh, but the athlete I will share um, that I'm a fan of, uh, his story, uh, big old Kurt Warner. I saw some on him on Twitter today, and I was just a fan of how he uh, wasn't really given anything. And he was working at a high – well, I think it was a high V in Iowa. Um, played at UNI, you know, finally got a shot, and he just tore it up. And just to have that persistence, to have that, you know, kind of courage to say, you know what, like it's not working right now, I got to get a job, and I'm just going to keep practicing and practicing and practicing. And then to make it and do the things that he did. I, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of Kurt and that is saw him on Twitter. So I thought I'd bring that one up today. Yeah, it's cool. The high V was working at is less than two miles from my house where I grew up in Cedar Falls, Iowa, which is where you and I is. So anyway, fun fact, they still, they have a little plaque of him up in the corner there. I haven't been back there for a while. So, all right, very cool. All right, Zach, why was meeting Michael Vick a welcome to the NFL moment? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> I, I come in for, I mean, from Stanford, obviously. Back in the day, you had – I mean, not back in the day, but pre oh. rules. <laughs> Relax. You sounded old right there, man. Uh, <laughs> if your school didn't have graduation till a certain date, you couldn't come in the spring. And so Stanford was always, like, the live school to get out. They got out, like, June 16th, I think was my last week. So I didn't see any of the guys. My first experience of the NFL was training camp. And you walk in the team meeting room – and you see Michael Vick sitting in the front row. This is the guy you watch every day. He was the most electrifying player on the field when he was playing. He was in, he was in Madden. He was unstoppable in the video game when we were in our prime video game days. And um, it was just a guy that I think you walk in and kind of taken aback, like, hey, I'm really here. And another, just another Michael Vick story, um, just to give him some love. I'm on the elevator pregame my rookie year and he's got these like he's got all the cool beats you know beast is going to send him everything he wants he's got these kelly green beats and i just got these little lame looking headphones my man (laughs) those are some great headphones those are some great headphones just not even expecting anything just want to let him know that 11 seconds he goes hey man here you go you can have them just uh i'll use your headphones for the day but i want you to have these and so just just a little story about mike being a great guy Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, good. Nothing like a little love for that. Okay. Do you still have them? I don't know. I'm a bad, I'm a bad friend. Wow. <laughs> well, technology's, technology's changed quite a bit. So I'll cut that part out for sure. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's all right. All right, Emmy, close this one out. Of the mindfulness part? No, the his secret. Oh. Yeah. Secret. I don't know if this is a Zach. What is a secret talent that you have that people do not know about? Oh, secret talent. Um, I'm a great husband. No, I don't know. Um, That's a great one. That's a great one. Oh, I, I think people, people know much, that one. Though. I can pretty much remember like all the catches that I have and like the plays that I have, like that I've caught and everything, and like I have a great memory. You like, really, can you juggle or? <laughs> I can't juggle. I'm good at FIFA video games. Um, Julie's gone. <laughs> play some FIFA every now and then. Um, I have a question. So when you like, does Julie ever make you play goalie for her and like shoot on you? <laughs> Is it terrifying? <laughs> um, one time in college, we did this and I was the goalie and she was the penalty kicker. And 
I think I may have stopped one out of 10, maybe on a good day. Maybe I'm embellishing. Maybe I stopped zero out of 10. <laughs> uh, but then I was the penalty kicker and she was the goalie and I did just as well. Oh. I didn't do as well as her. Wow. So. Um, Georgie, <laughs> George, what's one of uh, Zach's traits and skills that you admire most and why? Ooh, sick. A trait of Zach Ertz's that I admire. Um, huh. Well, uh, let's see. I think one that I just have to admire is the ability to make uh, make the play when your number's called, especially in big moments. That that's it's just sick. It's fun to watch. Like I love watching highlight reels. I love watching people make the big play. And uh, your number's called, whether it's you know Sunday one o'clock kickoff in Philly or it's you know Super Bowl night. Like your number's called. You go out there. You do what you're supposed to do, and you make the play. And it's it's always fun to see. I mean, I just like watching people do that because. Uh, you got to make the makeles, but then at the same time, you're out there making incredible plays and, uh, you know, just scoring touchdowns and stuff. So I've always been a huge fan of that. Zach, I'm going to pump you too, man. I think you've been super durable over your years too. I mean, you know what I mean? I know you played nicked up and cause you just have to in the league, but I mean, you've been a guy that for the most part has been out there lots and lots of Sundays and uh, lined up with your teammates. So great job on that too. Cause that requires obviously training and taking care of your body playing smart, but also a lot of toughness because, you know, you don't get through 16, 17 weeks uh, without being nicked up. I mean, everybody's in pain at the end of the year. And so just uh, thought you've done a great job with that. So that's pretty cool. Okay. All right. Then, all right, well, let's switch a little mental prep stuff. Okay. So I already read one quote. I had one other quote for you, uh, Zach, which I thought kind of fit. So I think I've said it ever since I got to the Eagles. I want to be the guy on third down. I want to be the guy in the red zone. I want to be the guy when our backs are up against the wall. I want to be the guy they go to. I just try to always to make the most of my opportunities. It's not going to be perfect. There are always plays I want to have back, but I want to be that guy. So, which I think historically for your career, you've been that guy and they've gone to you. So, I mean, I think that's pretty cool and it matches up with all the stuff. So um, I guess, you know, we've talked about all those things. So, you know, we do work with uh, folks on kind of mental prep and performance and all that kind of stuff. And so from affirmations and visualization and, all those kind of things, breath work and mindfulness and all that. So just wondering, like, uh, over the years, because you've been at it for a long time, you know, high school, Stanford, and then and then now the NFL, do you have some routines or practice tools that you use as far as your mental prep stuff? Like, what, what things have been helpful for you to kind of keep your head in the game and, you know, kind of screwed on straight? I mean, for me, obviously, um, faith is a big part of my life. Um, right. Something that I continually go back to can always lean on. Uh, I dedicated my life to Christ maybe four years ago now. Um, and so before I did that, my life was almost like a roller coaster. Like if I had a really good day, my emotions would be up here. If I had a really bad day. I feel like I was terrible, worst player on the team. Um, and really my life dictated by, by my performance. And ultimately it just got to the point that I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and I was surrounded by a bunch of guys that were heavy in their faith that had been doing it for a while. A guy like Carson Wentz, Trey Burton, uh, Jordan Hicks, Chris Marigos, Nick Foles. Um, and I just saw these guys that were literally the same each and every day. And it got to the point that I was envious of these guys. Um, and I decided to give my life. And that for me has been the ultimate thing that when things are going crazy, like this off season with all those rumors and everything, it was the only thing that I can lean back to that was the same each and every day. It wasn't about the rumors. It wasn't about me. It was about the word of God. And so for me, um, in my faith, that is for me what I continually lean on. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. Being rather than doing. Yep. Just knowing your identity within that framework and whether yep. you perform or don't perform, 
it doesn't change anything. So, okay, uh, cool. All right, then, and I guess I just want to ask you then, you've been around, you and Julie have been married how many years? Four years, four and a half years. Okay, but you've seen her kind of prepare, train, compete at the highest level. So one of the podcasts I listened to on you guys, you talked about her as uh, having super high level of confidence and that you've kind of taken from that. And that also when you watch the women's uh, U.S. team, that they have this unbelievable kind of killer instinct that they're just like, they're like sharks circling and they sniff a little blood and they're out of it. So I'm just wondering, like, so maybe I have that wrong or not. So maybe talk to me a little bit about what you picked up from that. And then how do you translate that into football? So increasing your confidence level and or developing that kind of killer instinct. So red zone, got to have it, 30 seconds left, whatever, making sure you finish the play. Like, how do you flip the switch in order to be in that position for you, Zach Ertz, in the football field? I think, I mean, people say, what exactly is confidence? What is confidence? And I think it's doing something over and over and over again and getting that desired result. So the next time that situation arises, you already know what the outcome is going to be. And so for Julie's team, when we were winning the Super Bowl in 2017, we knew each and every time we stepped on the field that we were the best team on the field because of what we had done, not only the previous Sundays, but really what we do during the week on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the way we prepare um, and I think when you have that, it's not a really a quote unquote killer instinct that just comes out. It's just having the confidence that my training on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday and practices has already prepared me for Sunday. So I don't need to do anything different on Sundays versus what I do during the week, because I like I don't there's a lot of guys that don't like to practice. But I love practicing. I love seven on seven. I love the red zone work. I love freaking training camp, um, even though they're long days, don't get me wrong. But I love the competition piece and working on your craft. And I think in sports, the thing that always sticks out is you're never going to be a perfect player. There's always, literally always something to work on. And so when you're able to stack these days, when you're able to stack these wins, ultimately, you're going to have that confidence that when the play is to be made, you've already made it a thousand times. And so the expectation of success is already there. Absolutely. Yeah, trust and confidence are built on deliberate, intentional, thought, word, and deed repeated over time. People have to create and earn their confidence. Exactly. You know, you just can't talk yourself into it. Like I'm going to be great. Yeah. You, you can only do that if you've got money in the bank and the money in the bank is all the work you put in to get to that point. So, all right. Very cool. All right. U S women's soccer. We like it. Okay. Emmy review fashion for us. All right, guys. Now we are skipping over to the fashion point. Um, GK. Ooh. Actually, let's start with Zach. Uh, yeah. So Zach, we like to do a little fashion talk about, I mean, you've been in the league a while. Your fashion has had to have changed, evolved, maybe gotten a little better, maybe a little worse. Um, Will you show, will you kind of talk to us about how your fashion for game day prep has kind of evolved um, through your many seasons? And then if you have a little thing that you want to show us too, that would be great. So when we, when I was a rookie, my first three years, Chip Kelly was the head coach and it was only travel. Don't wear anything else. Don't wear a suit. Um, Pretty much just wear your travel suit. And by the time I got to my fourth year with Coach Peterson, um, he was like, you could dress it. Everyone's got to dress up. And so for me, I love being able to dress up for game day because it's like I'm going to work. I'm I'm going to the office. This is the day that everything changes. It's not just going out there with no uh, repercussions or ramifications. I'm going to work today. Um, And so for me, that's why I love getting dressed up in suits. And I think that would be the biggest change from my rookie year to now is I pretty much wear a suit. 
every away game for sure. And then home games, I'll wear some nice jeans and a shirt or whatever it is, shoes or a hat that I bought out. I'll probably Ooh. wear this. I'm a big hat guy. Oh, oh. let's see it. Come on. Oh, yeah. oh. Nice. Got to do it, right? I mean, if it's yeah. good, you got to do it. Let's say Philly. Cut your hair a little bit. Oh, that's it great. does say Philly. Cool. I like that. Yeah, you're right. Who's, that? The Who's your hat by? It's a store here in Philly. I don't even think oh. on the name, but it is a Philly store. Hey, we all we wear a lot of hats in Nashville. So Perfect. lots of hats in Nashville. One down. All right, all right, G, what do you got? All right. Oh, give me a sec. I'm going to turn on this lamp that's right here so you guys can see it even better. Oh, that's better. <laughs> uh, this is my Red October Nike Dunks, the highs. I found these. Uh, they were used, but they were basically brand new, and new pairs are very expensive. So I got the used pair, and I wear these literally way too much. I love solid wear. I like being like, I'm a loud person, Zach. I think you know that just by knowing really? this. Yeah, me a little bit. But I love these. Uh, like I think there's just super unique dunks and I've just become a huge fan of dunks and sneakers. And so I wear these way too much. Probably people like sneaker guys are like, Oh my gosh, like put those in a box. I'm like, yeah, I got to wear your sneakers. There you go. So I'm a huge fan of those. Um, see, Zach, I do want to talk about the evolution. Like, so like I got guys in my, we like the suit thing. Cause I got guys on my team that wear suits. Cause they have the same mind, like suits or dress up really nice. Cause they're like, you know, I'm going to work and stuff. Dude, I like my thing is like I wear t-shirts and hoodies and stuff that like are kind of like my energy or my alter ego for the day. Like from like I wear Godzilla t-shirts, WWE, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. Um, I'm wearing this. Uh, I don't know. Do you know the comic book Calvin and Hobbes? Yeah, I saw you in that uh, sweater today. Yeah. So I got I got one of like one of Calvin's alter egos, which is like one of his superhero guys. I got I found a shirt, huge logo of that on him. Spaceman like, Spiff. Baseman Spiff, he's a monster. Damn right, like, baby. That's kind of what I always do. I, like, I use my shirt to kind of channel it, and I just always love rock, rocking like fancy or like fun Jordan ones or dunks. Is like, that's what I kind of stick with. I'm all about channeling. Like I've dressed up a couple times in like a nice. I think I wore a suit to one game, and I like I just hated taking it off when I got inside. It just okay. takes, and like when you go on a way trip, and then like you have nothing else to change into if you didn't bring another bag, you have to put a suit back on to go home. That's just a lot. Ooh. That's. You I can pack can't. Something else. I'm just saying, you can pack something else up there. There you go. They, they do let you take a bag, don't they? So that's okay. But, yeah, but who knows? I mean, by year nine, George might be in all suits. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? It sounds ex- Honestly, that's what it sounds like. It sounds true. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know how people do All right. Well, thank you for sharing that, guys. Let's get into some football then. All right. Let's talk it. This weekend, Niners at Philly in the Eagles home stadium. Didn't it used to be called Veteran Stadium? Yeah, it used to be no. called the, yeah. the Vet. Yeah, so okay. So I've been there one time before 2017. Like I said, I've already shared that experience, but I'm looking forward to another one because there's nothing like playing in Philly. So that's pretty good. All right, last week, Niners defeated the Lions 41-33. Kind of had let the fourth quarter get away from them, but they hung on to win that. So we'll come in at 1-0. Eagles defeated the Val- Falcons. Lame. They had a broken wing, it looked like. I don't know what the hell was going on with that. But they were playing the Eagles, so that may have had something to do with it. 32-6, to six, it was a complete pounding and a beatdown. Falcons are down there. They're thinking about leaving the league now. We don't know for sure, though, but they may exit. Anyway, so Eagles want to know. They're talking Super Bowl already, and they know that a notch win over the Niners at home puts them on the f- field for going at it. Nice thing for you guys, though, is everybody else in your division – we won't even talk about last year, how pathetic that whole thing was. But 
everybody else lost. And you guys are there. It's the top of the division for you. Of course, in the West, uh, everybody won, of course, because that thing's a little bit naughty. So anyway, it's going to be pretty exciting. All right. So Niners and Eagles have met 34 times, including one postseason game. Niners lead the series 19 to 14 with one time. However, Eagles have won seven out of the last nine, including the last two games. Last one in 2020 at Levi Stadium. Okay. And then before that, the 2017 game in Philly, which was your Super Bowl year, and that was Kyle Shanahan's first year. So a little spanking in Philly before. So we got some fresh memories about all that. So, all right, we won't talk too much. You can whip in anything you want. We won't ask for game plans or your secret routes, all that kind of stuff. We know they're going to throw you about 35. Did you see Darren Waller's 19 targets? Cool. Is that insane? What's he the most? What's one target? George, what's your most? 18? 17? My most in a game is 15. Now I was against you guys last year. I went, yeah, that was the most I've ever gotten. Yeah, I was 18. Darren was rolling. Oh my gosh! It's like he had a, Darren Wall show. He had he had a he had first down ball, second down ball, third down ball. All three times he was like triple covered, and then they punt. They get the ball back. First down ball, second down interception, and I was like, dude, that was five straight targets. Holy right. cow! I love it. EW, man, he's great. That was so much fun. He was a tight end you as well. We had a really great time with him. He was on the show before we did the Raiders. But anyway, so targets up. So we're looking for targets for yeah. Mr. Ertz and Mr. Kittle this weekend. So we'll see about how that works out. Okay, I just got to ask. All right, my guy Lane Johnson. All right. Big redneck from te- redneck from Texas. How's old Lane doing? Is he playing well? Is he being a leader? All that kind of stuff. And how's the old line doing for the Eagles? Oh, yeah, Lane's amazing. I mean, when he's rolling, we're a completely different football team. In my opinion, he's the best tackle in the league. Um, the dude is a freak, so he's 335 pounds, can run a four, again, like 475 at the combine. Uh, he's just a freak, and he's so good. He's the same person in his set every single time he does it. It's just remarkable. It's like when I chip his side, I'm like, what's the point? Let me just go out here. And <laughs> I don't need to help Lane Johnson, okay? Uh, but our O-line is phenomenal. They're all healthy right now. Brandon, uh, we have Brandon Brooks, who's one of the best guards yeah. in the league. Kelsey's obviously a monster. Jordan yeah. Lyle just got paid the other day. Isaac Saramalu is kind of like the unsung guy, but he's a freaking baller as well. Um, it's going to be a great matchup against the Niners, obviously. They got a great front seven on defense. Um, so it's going to be a battle on Sunday in that regard. Yeah, both sides of the ball for the Eagles are really, really top-notch. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, they've got a great O-line. Good to see Brooks back. And uh, a guy, Lane, we know he's going to play. So that'll be really fun. Yeah, no sense in chipping that dude. So he does a pretty good job. So, okay, that's good. Well, tell us a little bit about the personality of the 21 Eagles team. So last year, obviously, disappointment. You've had some kind of turnover, trades, new people, new coaches, all that kind of stuff. So how's how's that personality developing? And who are some of the leaders on that team now? What's What's evolving for you guys? Yeah, I, mean, I think the thing that's unique about our team right now is we have had we got guys that have had a lot of success in this league, a lot of veteran guys, myself, Kelsey, Brandon Lane, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, guys that have played a lot of football. Um, and then you got a lot of guys that haven't. And you got a lot of young guys. So the way we practice each and every day, we're teaching everyone the tempos, we're setting the examples. Um, so it's been a lot, of, a lot of fun that we have a lot of new faces and the coaching staff brings a lot of energy each and every day we step out on the practice field. And Coach Sirianni has been phenomenal. He's a great teacher. I tell people this all the time. He's teaching me things on route running that were almost counterintuitive to how I ran it for eight years. Um, and so I'm learning a lot and really enjoying it. 
Um, love the tight end coach, Jason Michael. Uh, he was in Indy last year. He came uh, with Coach Sirianni. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. I've honestly really enjoyed the start of the year. All training camp, they've been phenomenal. So it's it's been fun. Oh, that's really cool. Well, good. Glad the transition's been good. And, I mean, it's a game and all that. I mean, we know football, one of the things about my experience with football is that it can take you to the highest highs and be unbelievable. But when it's bad, boy, it can be brutal, you know, because that's your life. Um, and so it's great to have that kind of energy and spirit uh, going on in the building. So really happy for you that way. So, well, who are a couple of people kind of what? Are, who are the main studs that and let's talk about defense, maybe particularly, but anybody on, anywhere across the line that our Niner fans should be watching out for? Who do you expect big games from on Sunday? Well, I mean, I can name the whole defense, 11 players on Philadelphia. Right. Uh, but I mean, our, I think our defense, uh, our front five, six guy, we have a two deep rotation that could probably start a D line for most teams. Um, you got Ryan Kerrigan, who's got over 100 sacks as a second string DN. You got Josh Sweat, who might he he might have had the best training camp of any D lineman on our team, and he's working with the second string D lineman. And then you got Fletcher Cox, who's a monster. Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, who is in his second year in the system, he's really flashed. Derek Barnett was a first-round pick from the University of Tennessee. Um, so we just got a really great, deep defensive line. So that's always something. Then you got Darius Slay, Steve Nelson on the outside playing corner, two really good players. Um, the addition of Anthony Harris at safety I thought was huge for us. He was in Minnesota for a long time. We brought him over on a one-year deal. Um, he's really set the tone in the defensive back room. The other safety is kind of a, a rotate between Kayvon Wallace and Marcus Epps, two young players doing well. Now our linebacker is almost linebacker by committee. I mean, we got a lot of different personnel groups on defense, um, and they all just put them in there to play to their strengths. And I think ultimately that's what all good coaches do. They put yep. players in position to play to their strengths. They don't try and do anything more or less with them. Um, and so our defense led by Jonathan Gannon, I think is he's going to be head coach in the next five years. He's that good in my opinion. Um, so I'm excited to see the game against – obviously I got a lot of respect for Kyle and what you guys do over there. Um, but it's going to be a battle on both sides. Excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be really, really, really fun because you guys are running a 3-4 now, kind of switched up a little bit and a little bit different positioning and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, protection is going to be huge and obviously establishing run game as always So for the Niners. So that'll be really exciting. Uh, excellent. George, any, anything you want to volunteer from the Niners? How, how are you guys doing over there living in West Virginia, eating out of – you're probably having porridge and peas. What, what's going on? You guys going to be okay? You're going to be able to make it to the game? at that five-star hotel. <laughs> Here's wonderful. My wallpapers could be a little bit better, but it's it's a classic. Um, food's been wonderful. West Virginia's been hot and humid, like I said earlier. Um, but let's see, the Niners. Yeah, I mean, um, this is, you know, super fun. I get to go against what I think is one of the best D-lines in the, you know, in the world, really, every single day. And then I get to go against the Philadelphia Eagles who run used to run a very similar defense to us, and they still have all their amazing guys inside. And your edge guys are just strong, tall, long, and very physical. So, I mean, I can't wait to run outside zone. It's going to be great against 42 techniques. It's going to be sick. Um, fun time. And, um, and I like – but the, for the same, like, I'm excited. Like, I, I always get, like – I always like to watch our D-line. I mean, like, because they, like – in practice, like they always do awesome stuff. And then I'm like, wow, like I can't wait to see it in the game. And then they do the exact same stuff they do in practice in the game and they just terrorize people. And what I love is like, yeah, you guys, your old line is sick. And I love Lane. I've had respect for him forever. Um, but like, I'm excited to see like Nick. I mean, like I've missed Nick Bosa playing football for a year and a half. And so I just like watching him play because 
Like, I don't know. I, he's just such a fantastic player. But I'm excited to watch our whole D-line go up against your O-line because I think it's going to be one of the best they face all year. It'll be a great matchup, yeah. And then Freddie. Freddie running free. We'll see how that works out, too. So You'll probably get you'll – get, he'll get hands on you a couple of times. Have fun with it. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Okay. All right. Uh, good on football. So that's great. We're looking forward to a great game. Just hope everybody stays healthy because that's the name of the game for everybody. And looking forward to a really exciting trip up, up there. So, Amy, why don't you roll us into this next section? Yeah. So a huge part of our podcast, we're always looking for ways to be involved and help others and trying to encourage our listeners to also do what they can do as far as service and giving back. So Zach, we know you have a foundation uh, with Julie and we're going to get into that, but what was the role of community service and kind of giving back for you as you were growing up, maybe through even high school and college? Yeah, man, I think um, just growing up, you know, you understand kind of where we grew up and you always you never wanted to take that for granted. And so going to the NFL and playing for the Eagles and being in the city now for so long, every Sunday, you know, you feel the love playing at home, the eight Sundays or nine Sundays, however many times you play at home. But really being in the city as a player for the Eagles, you feel the love every day. And so since we got into the NFL, we really wanted to reciprocate that love that we feel all the time to this city, uh, especially the community of Philadelphia, because they're amazing people. Um, and so we'd love to have the opportunity to start the foundation here. I think we did it in the spring of 2018 um, and really just trying to leave our mark here. Yeah. So on that, let me just, I'm, well, I'm sorry, I mean, I don't mean to, but let me do this oh, piece and you ask the other. Well, just um, so with the family foundation, so transforming lives through faith, hope, and love and your mission statement, empowering others by sharing faith, learning through sports and advancing education to build supportive communities. And then, Andy, read some of those projects that they're doing. And then, Zach, just you can kind of go anywhere you want with that. But there's a, I'm just on the website and I could have spent a ton of time. You guys got a lot of stuff going on and the impact you've had in just that short period of time is amazing. So, just kudos to you and Julie for being, having that commitment and all the places that you show up. You're like a ghost. You just like vaporize and all of a sudden you're passing out meals. And then, next thing you know, you're giving coats away in the winter. Next thing you know, you're hanging out with some kids that need some help, you know, the football thing and all that kind of stuff. So, anyway. Um, yeah, so Amy, read all those things. Let Zach run with it. Yeah, so the ones we wanted to talk about was House of Hope, the Philly Bridge Project, City of Love Fund, Holiday Touchdowns for Meals, and the Winter Clothing Drive. So any that you're going to want to talk about, share about? Uh, yeah, I mean, the the Thanksgiving turkey drive and the winter coats. I mean, it's literally just around the holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving. Uh, we want to share meals and Thanksgiving. Who doesn't want to have, we have amazing partners here. We met so many great people, whether it be Acme, whether it be Campbell Soup. Um, and so we just had the opportunity to work with great people and great organizations. So Thanksgiving, we give out turkeys and sweet potatoes and rolls and all that. And then when it gets really cold out here, obviously some people don't have access to really good coats. So we try and find coats and we pass those out in the winter. Um, and the Philly Bridge Project, I'll start City of Love Fund. Um, before we really knew exactly what we wanted to do in Philly, uh, it was kind of always a thing, you know, we wanted to have a foundation, but what were we going to put, leave our mark? How are we going to leave our mark? And until we found that, we were essentially a grant making organization in Philadelphia through the City of Love Fund. So we would give out, we would pick four nonprofits every quarter and essentially grant money to them. And so they would apply and we would go about funding some of their projects um, and doing that uh, quarterly. And then last year during the pandemic, um, Julie was here for an extended period of time. And they, we just, Philadelphia during the pandemic was just 
absolutely crushed. Um, the homicide rate in the city is one of the if, – if it's not first, it's right behind Chicago right now. Um, and so we've had coaches that have lost players, high school football players, to gun violence in the city. And so during the pandemic when school shut down here, sports shut down here, Julie and my mom and an organization called Timoteo and Pastor Rob Whitmire started this after school program. Um, and we've had like four nonprofits. Um, and that was the Philly Bridge Project where we wanted to bring nonprofits together and support these high school kids. We'd have about 100 high school kids every Tuesday, Thursday, come out and play flag football under all the COVID guidelines that we had to have, give them some food. Um, and that ultimately parlayed into the House of Hope, which we are three quarters of the way done funding. We raised 750K out of it. We want to raise a million dollars. So really, we, we're, we're rebuilding this church right in North Philly. Uh, North with an F, Bruce, just for you. Yeah, uh, baby. And then we want to put it into a Wi-Fi cafe for these kids after school. So from 3 to 7 p.m., uh, you know, Jordan and I, I don't know what you did in high school, but we had sports to go to. But for a lot of kids, they don't have act, they don't play sports, um, and they're kind of left on their own until it gets dark and then they go home. Well, how can we as people in this city give them a place to go during these hours that a lot of high school kids are, are going to get in trouble or left on their own? So we, we started, we're, we're in the process of redoing this church and making it a Wi-Fi cafe Monday through Friday. Um, also bring in like guest uh, appearances by people, bring in academic people. Um, and ultimately just turning it into a place that kids get excited about to come um, and eat food. Obviously, you can't have a Wi-Fi cafe if you don't have a kitchen and all that. So that's what that's the project we're working on. And we're three quarters of the way done and we're excited about it. Wow. So really, really cool. Was that we are really honored then. So our donation this week's going to the Earth's yes. Family Foundation. We're super excited about doing that. And then also, so as part of our partnership with MVP and our veterans, so we're sending uh, our veteran, Elliot Ruiz. Am I saying that right, Emmy? Ruiz. <laughs> Ruiz. I'm, I got it wrong about 100 times. But anyway. Sorry, Elliot. He's, and he's taking his buddy, Benny, from North Philly, right? He's one of his best friends growing up and all that kind of stuff. And also, we were super honored. Uh, my brother-in-law is a longtime Iowa National Guard. We got hooked up with the Pennsylvania National Guard. So we're sending six veterans through the Pennsylvania National Guard. And so we, we sponsored their tickets. We just asked them to kick back and take up a donation for the Earth's Family Foundation and donate all money to the foundation. And so that was uh, our, our deal with those guys. So they are also making a contribution. So we're super excited. In the show notes, we'll have links uh, to the website where people can donate and support the work that you're doing in Philly. And just want to really give a shout out to you and Julie for all the energy and time you're putting into that and just your vision and focus about giving back. So it really, it does make a real difference because uh, when you guys show up in a room, it, it does change lives. And so that's really cool. So, and you can be super busy and kind of doing whatever, but you're trying to get back to that community that's given so much to you guys. So just really appreciate you for that, Zach and Julie as well. I don't know her at all, but I know she's super cool because we watch her in U.S. women and we love women's sports because Emmy played sports and my wife's in two Hall of Fames back in Iowa and played college ball and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, all good there. So excellent. All right, is there anything else about the foundation you want people to know, and then how can they help other than maybe donate money or whatever? Just give us a little blurb on that. I mean, I think uh, when Julie and I started the Earth Foundation, it wasn't about Julie and I doing things. We didn't want it to be the Zach and Julie Earth Foundation. Uh, we wanted it to be a family, not only the Earth family, but everyone that wants to be a part of our extended family. And so 
obviously people are called in different ways to give back. Uh, but you can check out the earthfamilyfoundation.org to check out what we're doing. Obviously, would love people to be a part of it. Uh, donate, just spread the word. Even even if you're just having a conversation, say you heard of uh, some organization doing some great stuff. That's enough for us. That's all we ask of you. Um, and ultimately, whatever you feel called to do would be great. Excellent. Very, very cool. All right, Amy, close us out. Well, yeah. So one of my favorite uh, sections is as we close, um, we like to talk about what gives you hope. So lessons learned maybe through the pandemic, through your nine seasons, uh, through being Mr. Julie Ertz. Um, Where is the hope and what are one or two things that are giving you hope right now? I mean, I think my faith is obviously a a big hope giver for me. Um, And I think obviously during the pandemic, there were a lot of things that were revealed. And I think for me, you know, it was, it was it was tough to see people have to isolate from one another. And I think as we get further and further away from this, or as we get through this, hopefully, God willing, someday soon, um, that people are going to be longing to be with one another again, be with each other in person, not have a relationship over a phone, but actually see people face to face. And maybe we'll be filming this podcast next year in person or wherever it is. Um, but I think that for me is that people have learned so many lessons through this pandemic. It's been terrible. Obviously, it's affected so many people. Um, but I think there are things that we need to continually look at and how can we improve. And I think one of those is just that longing for social interaction. It's not physical distancing. It's terrible. It's trash. Um, and I think that is a reason for hope is that people need to be together. Yes, there you go. we cool. agree. All right. Well, Zach, I just we'll all be say, together on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just want to say that, uh, you know, just having two people that have been as successful as you and Julie have and your sense of kind of humility and perspective about the way you guys approach, you know, kind of your game plus your life, really an inspiration for people. So really, uh, you know, that's very hopeful in that kind of way because so many times, you know, we just hear the, the negative stories about professional athletes and all that kind of stuff. And really the truth is so much different than that. I just know getting to know the Niner players and that, and I've been around college football and that kind of stuff. So a lot of great people out there. So really appreciate the leadership that you guys are showing uh, and kind of pushing the way that way. So we're going to try to support you guys. And as we go from town to town through our NFL season, we're going to try to do the same thing in each community. And we encourage people to find hope and find a way to make a difference in their own way, whatever that means and kind of their own sphere of influence. So, all right, G, anything you want to add on that? What gives me hope this week? Yeah, man. Well, I think last last week I said um, the NFL's back, and I gave a reason, like with the fans and stuff. It just you know, world seems a little bit more normal. Um, I'm gonna say on a consistent theme, um, the NFL's back, and <laughs> I know I just feel like there's just like this wave of energy that's gone through out, you know, all of America. It really like of just everyone has something to cheer for. Everyone has something. Cause like everyone is an NFL football fan basically. And now everyone has all these teams out there. Everyone. Get to watch their superheroes play. They get to watch their favorite athletes play. It's football is everywhere. It's on TV, social media. And it just makes my heart full and warm because it's the best sport of all time. And the fact that everyone loves it and everyone's having fun with it. And there's a lot of bad DMS out there probably, but most of it's all good vibes and stuff. And, uh, it just makes me excited that football's back and just how excited it has everybody. Dude, that stadium is going to be rocking. They haven't been there for so long. Philly's going to be. Oh, man, it's going to be great. I can't wait That's to get there. Ready to go. It's going <laughs> Am I? Not a yeah, thing. It's going to be amazing. Oh. All right. Emmy, closing words? 
Uh, what gives me hope is I think uh, I just love the idea of legacy and what you and Julie are doing. And I think seeing how, you know, how global I feel like you two are just as a name and a brand and as a family um, to really dive in and choose to help your community in the way that you have is incredible. And I think super inspiring for anybody who has the resources or the funds or, you know, who just wants to start something and get connected. And especially the message of human connection. Um, you know, I think we're so jaded by the fact that we get to like see everything and hear about everything and read about everything and watch videos and all the things and like have access to people. But at the same time, like there are so many really negative things that can happen if we only rely on social interactions through the internet or through digital devices. So get out, wear a mask, um, but definitely just be careful. But don't take for granted the social, the in-person connections when you get the chance. All right, yeah. BK, what about you? Uh, no, I already said, I'm hopeful with those guys. But, and then Zach, if your oh, yeah. boys can help push out the show, that would be great. You know, just give us a little love there, but I don't know anybody over there. So they'll probably tell us to piss off like everybody in Philly, but that's okay. Anyway, all right, no, we're good. We got, we got hope. We got a rocking stadium. We got Philadelphia on fire and we're going to North Philadelphia. And what was the other word we learned? Jaw. John. John, right? John can mean anything. It's like a word for it's a word for anything. So it's like anytime I don't know what to say in Philly, I'm going, John, back the hell up. Anyway, okay. Zach, I just want to say thank you so much. Really great. Followed your career all the way through, been watching you for a long time, ever since Georgie's been playing tight end. So you've been a leader in that. So really grateful for that and just your inspiration and your faith and all the things that you're doing. So wish you the very best over the coming year. And uh, no doubt we'll uh, we'd be rubbing shoulders maybe in the playoffs somewhere down the road. So it'll all, it's all going to be great. So wish you health and well-being and all that kind of stuff. And maybe 118 catches this year. Hopefully they'll, they'll spot you for that and you can notch that baby up a little bit. So, all right. Everybody good? All right. Thank Super you, good. Appreciate you. All right. Take care. Thank you, Zach. Thanks, Zach. Hey, See you. All right. See you Sunday, bud. All right. Two, one, action, take two. This week, we are proud to host our first veteran spotlight with the U.S. military personnel as a part of our partnership with MVP, which stands for Merging Vets with Players. This group was founded in 2015 by Fox Sports insider Jay Glazer and former Green Beret Seattle Seahawk Nate Boyer. They wanted to address the challenges combat veterans and former professional athletes face in their transitions once the uniform comes off. MVP understands that for some, the biggest battle starts when the war and the game is over. All right. From their webpage, their mission, MVP empowers combat veterans and former professional athletes by connecting them after the uniform comes off, providing them with a new team to assist with transition, promote personal development, and show them they are never alone. MVP does this by focusing on physical fitness and peer-to-peer support. Since its startup, MVP has now served more than 2,000 vets and former professional athletes. So we have all of their links uh, to their website and social media pages in the show notes below, and we encourage you to check them out and support all of their work. It's pretty amazing what they're all doing. So now we have the great honor. Uh, for those of you who joined us last week, you know that our first guest as part of our Veteran Spotlight and as a big part of our remembrance of 9-11 was First Responder Fire Chief Michael O'Brien. 
Bryan of the Bryden Area Fire Authority. This week, we are thrilled to welcome our first MVP veteran, Elliot Ruiz, a former Marine and native of North Philadelphia. We offer the most heartfelt Hidden Pearls podcast. Welcome to Elliot. Thank you so much for being here and joining us on the show. North Philly dog. All right, we got to get some North Philly stories in here a little bit later. Okay, uh, a little bit of a bio on uh, Elliot. So um, Elliot was inspired to join the Marines by his father, who was a Marine Vietnam veteran and two-time Purple Heart recipient. Elliot went to boot camp as a 17-year-old in 2002, right after graduating high school. He became an infantry rifleman. After his training, he served as a scout with the 3rd Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion. In January of 2003, at the age of 17, he became one of the youngest Marines ever deployed to Iraq as part of the 1st Marine Division. On April 13, 2003, he was wounded when his unit was rescuing seven POWs. He eventually had to undergo 14 surgeries on his back and leg. He was awarded the Purple Heart for his wounds received in combat and the Presidential Unit Citation for the rescue of the POW. During his recovery, the medical team warned him that he would likely have limited mobility and would spend the rest of his life walking with the cane. Today, he is still undergoing extensive physical therapy for his injuries, but is committed to staying active and supporting other veterans. He hails from Philadelphia, PA, and currently resides in Los Angeles, California, with his wife and a new young baby daughter, if I got it right. Is that correct? That's correct. Right? About a year and a half. Okay, we'll come back to that. So, uh, appreciate you being here, and thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so we know that you're living in L.A., um, but for this show... Uh, where are you now uh, as we're recording this? I am, uh, I'm in Florida visiting the old man. Came to check him out, hang out with him for a little bit. Um, And you're going to be in Philly this weekend for the Niners Eagle game, correct? That's right. I'm flying in on, I'm flying in on Friday. I'm going to help out my cousin uh, who's moving right now. So my cousin Benny, who's been a huge support for me over the years, I'm flying in to help him get ready to to make a move. All right. And just... And what is your game day vibe? Like, what are you going to wear? What Eagles kind of stuff are you going to have on? Are you a jersey guy, sweatshirt? Yeah, what are you going to do? Custom, custom number 20 jersey. What's, um, what's the 20 stand for? 20 is just a, a lucky number for me. I had a lot of big things happen for me on, on the 20th day of, of certain months. So just 20 okay. pops for me all the time. All right. Well, when you get dressed up, make sure you shoot me a text. All right. We want to make sure we get a picture of you. And if we can rally to see you somehow during the stadium stuff we will do that because we'll also be there so that'll that'll be great okay all right so all right let's get started a little bit um so north philly so we already talked a little bit about that your father was a marine two-time purple heart and was your inspiration you enlisted at 17 right after graduation so you had some kind of stuff in there that we took from i know it was partly your father's experience and you also kind of wanted to get out of philly just a little bit from some of the other stuff can can you tell us a little bit more about being 17 and kind of the exposure you had with your dad like that and what led you to sign up? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I always uh, my father always told stories about his days in Vietnam with uh, with all his good friends and just talked about the camaraderie and all that good stuff. And just, you know, he, he always said it was a beautiful country. And uh, even though he had bad experiences there that he would love to go back and all that. But uh, I just, I grew up hearing, and ne- I never heard any of the bad stories growing up. Um, never heard of any of the traumas or anything like that. I knew he had a purple heart, but growing up, I really didn't know, 
I know he got wounded with shrap metal and things like that, but he really didn't get into into depth about the uh, the negative things. It was just all positive. So, um, so yeah, I was like, you know what? My mother really wanted me to graduate high school. Graduated high school, and I felt like I wanted to do something to honor my father. And uh, I thought that joining the Marine Corps would be a, a great idea. Okay, and then you're off and running. And so, and then I think too. Uh, um, you weren't really thinking about college at the time. And there was, was there stuff going on in Philly you were looking forward to getting away from? Yeah. You know, Philadelphia, um, we're, we're in North Philadelphia. So, and that's North with an F North, North Philadelphia. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. I thought it, I thought it was always. Oh, like it's a town, not a direction. Oh, (laughs) and and, no, it's actually North, but everyone, everyone pronounces it with an F. There's no TH. There's an F at the end for some reason. If you're in Philly, that's how you say it. I got you. Okay, why, why do they do that? What's that about? I have no idea. Everyone just says okay. North. <laughs> All right. So um, the first Philly slang of the of the podcast. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. So I'll, give, I'll give you guys a couple. So when you guys get to Philly, you know, you know, John. We'll get back to John. That's another one you're gonna need. Okay. Um, no, just growing up in Philly, you know, you you got I had friends going to jail, you know, friends dying in the streets and stuff. I wasn't in the best neighborhood. Um, but I always felt like, I, you know, the streets, the streets wasn't something I wanted to be involved in. My father tried to keep me out of that. When my parents did, they had me in a lot of programs and stuff like that to sort of keep me busy. And, um, I knew that I wanted to get out of Philly. I had a lot, again, close friends that were passing away and, uh, it just wasn't for me. And I knew there was something else for me. I didn't know what it was, but I knew there was something else. So, um, I started talking to a recruiter uh, my senior year, but I was 16, so I wasn't old enough uh, yet. So I ended up, once I turned 17, I went and got some paperwork and um, I had my parents sign for me and uh, surprised my parents after I graduated and said, hey, I'm going to boot camp. <laughs> and what did your mom, what they say about that? Oh, my mom lost her mind. Yeah. I bet. She, yeah, she, she was like, what the hell's going on? The recruiter actually came and picked me up uh, my friend Tommy, we both we both went to high school together. He's he's in the back seat. He's cherry red from crying. They had just the recruiter just picked him up from his parents' house, and I'm like, hey mom, I'm going to boot camp. She's like, she just screamed my dad's name. My dad comes running down, and uh, his parting words to me was, uh, "Keep your head down and don't volunteer for shit." Can I say? I'm sorry. Can I say that? Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, you're good. Okay, this cool. is an, it's an adult <laughs> podcast. Our sponsors include, uh, well, we won't list them all because they're not all given the podcast though, but yeah, you're good. So yeah, keep your head down, don't volunteer for shit was his parting words for me. And I, I followed those. All right. All right. Well, very cool. Okay. Then, then you're off. And I'm off. Went to boot camp, graduated, graduated high school uh, on a Friday. And I think I left on a, on a Monday. Okay. Wow. Just real gay. Really gave your mom time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So then your first uh, deployment was to Iraq in January of 2003, um, and you spent your 18th birthday on a ship. Can you kind of talk about that and experiences over there and uh, the mission seeking to rescue the seven POWs? Sure. So, yeah, I joined, I joined right out of high school, went to boot camp, was the youngest Marine in boot camp. Um, went from boot camp to infantry school, the youngest Marine there. So South Carolina, North Carolina, and they shipped me off to my duty station, uh, 29 Palms, California. And um, I got there and they were just like, yeah, don't, don't unpack anything. We're deploying. And I was like, 
all right. Had no idea. I couldn't even point out Iraq on the map or anything like that. Didn't have my license yet. I still had a driver's permit. Um, and I was on a ship off to Iraq. Uh, we actually, we actually floated out to, uh, to Kuwait. So spent my, uh, spent my 18th birthday on ship. Um, I couldn't even buy cigarettes on ship. Cigarettes dip. I had to send my friends to go buy the, the people on the ship wouldn't sell me because I was underage. And under crazy. 21. Here's your gun, but you can't get a dip. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't get it. I think you had to be 18. So you had to be 18 to buy at the time. And so they're like, yeah, you're not 18. I'm like, you know where the ship is going, right? Can I get some dip? They're like, sorry. So I had to get my boys to go buy some Copenhagen for me. That's crazy. All right. So yeah, we got there. We got the, uh, we stayed in, uh, we stayed in Kuwait for, for some time. And then we got the, the orders to cross over into Iraq. So we went in for the initial invasion. Um, and, you know, fast forward uh, to the day where I, where I was wounded. Um, I don't know all the logistics of it, but basically my unit got sent in to the city where the POWs uh, were being held. And, um, and we basically, we, it was a push for the day. So we basically started early in the morning. We trekked over to that town that they were in and um, we got there, it was probably like midnight or something like that. So we set up right outside of the city to push in first thing in the morning. And uh, I was the first fire watch. We were on the main road going into the town. So we blocked it and no one could get in or out. And then, uh, so I was the first fire watch. And uh, at the end of my, at the end of my watch, I was getting ready to walk over to, uh, to wake up the next two guys. And we saw some headlights coming from the distance. So, um, you know, as the car started getting closer, you can hear uh, the engine just going, you can tell he was just going revenant. So he was just gone. And I, I, I could tell we set up chem lights on the street because it's so dark. There was no street lights or anything like that. And I can tell when he got to the first chem light that he wasn't going to stop. So, um, so we opened up on the vehicle. Uh, the vehicle was going so fast. He hit some con the constina wire we had in the street. Uh, the constina wire snapped like a slinky, grabbed my leg and the car took me for a ride. Um, so yeah, through, threw my, my weapon up in the air, you know, when I got pulled or whatever, got dragged. I felt a, a really hard tug. Um, and right away, it woke everybody up once we started firing. So uh, we, right away, everyone jumped up on their guns and um, I got, I tried to get out of the way. So I was crawling. I got, I got really lightheaded and I reached back and grabbed my leg and my hand, I could feel my hand go all the way inside my leg and like touch bone. So I, uh, Right away, I just I rolled onto my onto my back, took my belt off, um, put it on as a tourniquet, and then you know just try to relax. Yelled Corman up a few times, and then they came over, they wrapped me up and everything, uh, and they called for a medevac, which took forever. I think it took like a few hours. I think it might have been like an hour or two hours or something like that to get to me. So it went into shock and all that good stuff. They threw they threw the uh, uh, the that that uh, the blanket, the aluminum blanket. They threw that thing over me to try to keep me warm and um, got medevac. Chopper came down. One of the guys in the vehicle uh, survived, so he was wounded. He had to get on the chopper with us, so which sucked. But um, so we took him. Uh, they stopped at a tent, flew me into uh, flew me into Kuwait. And when I got to Kuwait, I had this uh, this female colonel come over. And uh, she walked over and her word, she looked at me and said, oh my God, you're a baby. 
And uh, she said, uh, your unit, your hero, your unit just rescued the seven POWs. And I knew the guys had went in um, and did it. And then, you know, from there they flew me over to Spain and then my tour of hospitals continued from there. Uh, okay. Well, so let's see. So with that injury then, like you said, the kind of tour of hospitals and you migrated around, eventually had 14 surgeries. And um, at some point they kind of said, you know, you're probably gonna need a cane to walk and that. I guess, tell us, you know, that transition, I guess the other piece that I just wanted to touch on when, you know, I was reading up, um, you know, because of the injuries and that, obviously you were in a lot of pain and uh, there was a time point in your life um, I think you kind of talked about 2005 when, you know, you were, I don't want to say addicted, but you were using, you were relying on drugs pretty heavily to control the pain during all that transition. And you eventually kind of uh, addressed that issue as well. So maybe kind of talk to us, you know, through the, a little bit about the surgery and the, you know, having what you were told, what you could or couldn't do, and then working through the, the you know, the use of drugs and or going cold Turkey. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's changed and, and medicine has come so far in regards to how they treat the veterans coming back um, with pain. And there's so many options now, but I feel like when I first came back, it was just like, oh, it hurt. Here's some Vicodin. Oh, the Vicodin doesn't work. Here's some Percocet. Oh, the Percocet doesn't work. Here's this and that. And, you know, my cabinet started looking like a pharmacy, you know, and I had everything, everything for pain. I was in so much pain. It was a lot of nerve pain. Um, so they, they had me on all types of stuff and um, just being on it for so long, you don't even realize it, but then you eventually need it, right? Because things just, when you don't take it, you start to feel sick or the pain is even worse. Um, so I, I, I don't, and I could feel something was going on. I wasn't sure. I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on, but um, after a few years, I was just like, I can't continue like this. This is, it's, it's not helping me. And um, yeah, one day I just decided to go cold turkey and I was just sick. Um, and I, dump I dumped all the pills in the toilet and flushed it um, and just stopped cold turkey. And I just, I tried to stay away from narcotics after that. Um, but yeah, I can tell that was definitely dealing with some type of addiction. I knew there was, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know the proper way to stop it. I just knew to stop. And, and that was rough. I mean, just coming off of all, coming off of everything I've been on for so long, it was, it was just really tough. Was that like your kind of process of stopping? Was it something that, you know, like, did you have like resources or like other people who were like, you know, this is maybe why you're feeling this way? Or did you feel like this was just something kind of intrinsic that you were like, like your body was just kind of telling you, we got to, we got to change something. Yeah, it was my body. I, I was sitting in the barracks. And, um, and I just remember just, you know, I was just cloudy. I felt sick. I felt like I couldn't think straight. And then it was just like, oh, let me take her up and take the pills. And I just felt like I, I had a, my biological mother. Um, she was, uh, she was a drug addict. Right. And so I've, I've been around drug addicts. I've, I've seen them growing up in North Philly. You see it all the time. And, I feel like I just remember like my reaction to that. I was like, damn, I sound, I sound like a drug addict, what the hell? And I just felt sick and it was just something there that was just told me. And I, I think it just clicked in that moment. I was still in the barracks, I was still in the Marine Corps and I was just like, damn, I need to stop this. Like, it's not how, I gotta figure something else out. 
And um, I, I feel like that might have set it off to for me to just stop. And there was there wasn't anyone that was like, "Hey, man, you probably you probably you know hooked on this stuff or anything like that." It was just I was by myself. You know, my unit was deployed. Um, had deployed for the second time, which I didn't get to. I actually tried to get deployed with my unit. Um, and I even told them, I said, look, put me in the supply vehicle, something. I just want to go with you guys. And um, I, I ended up not being deployed with them. So I was in the barracks by myself. Um, they fat me out. A FAP is basically, they sent me out to do like a civilian job as they were processing me out the Marine Corps. So I was just basically working at the gym, signing people in, and then going back to the barracks by myself. And I was just on pills and playing video games. And I knew something had to change. Right. So how did, like in the transition, yeah. because like being alone, even away from your unit, and then to be alone away from the medicine that's kind of sustaining you, um, can you talk about how you, like what was it like afterwards and kind of what was the transition point for you and how you made it through that. I mean, cause mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually, and like on every single level, that's a, it's a massive test. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of tears. I was, wait, wait, let me, yeah, let me, add, so on that. So like, so there's kind of two things going on for me is one is getting off of the drugs and then, you know, finding a real life without that. And then the second piece is when the drugs are gone, then you're still there facing the pain. So like, you know, what were the tools that you were using and resources you know, one to sustain your sobriety, if we want to call it that, or, you know, lack of drugs. And then, you know, what did, what were you doing to handle the pain then? What was going on? How did you take care of that? Tons of physical therapy. Um, just working with some, I had, I had some awesome, awesome uh, Navy corpsmen that were working with me over in, in the hospital there. And uh, I mean, I did all types of therapy. I had, I had, uh, I forget what it's called, regional pain syndrome. And uh, my nerves were all jacked up. So uh, originally they had to start with a tissue and they would rub a tissue up the back of my leg. And it felt like someone was grinding sandpaper on my leg. So after months of doing the tissue, eventually it would go up to a rag and then a towel. And then, so they helped me with that. So just tons of physical therapy, um, to help with the pain. I was working at the gym. So I started, uh, getting workouts and learning about stretching and how to properly do all this stuff. Yep. And, uh, and that, that really helped me. I mean, it was, it was perfect. It was the, my perfect transition out of the Marine Corps was being able to go and work at the gym. And that really, that really helped me on the way out. Gotcha. All right. Cool. Great. Well, so <sighs> sorry, I was scrolling through our script. Um, Okay. So 2005, we're going to kick up to that. So lots of transitions. So medically retired from the Marine Corps, um, awarded the purple heart and presidential, uh, unit citation. Um, what was it like when you received your purple heart? You know, um, when I got back to the States, I never got my purple heart, like the actual, the actual medal. I never got it. Um, apparently they had they had issued it to me or awarded it to me when I was in Spain, but I, I never got it. So uh, I guess they can't re-award it to you or something like that. Um, my first sergeant wasn't having that. So he went out with his own money. He bought me <laughs> an dice version of it. And he was like, the hell with that. We're going to hold, we're going to, we're going to hold something for you. So he, uh, so he had the whole company come out and then they read out, they read out the, uh, 
the certificate, the award, and um, and then they awarded it to me in front of everybody, my unit there in, here in the States. So I oh, never got cool. the actual medal. I got an anodized version, but it's in the closet anyway. So who cares? <laughs> okay. And then, um, so like you said, you kind of bounced around with the hospitals and all that. At some point though, when you get medically retired, there's life after the Marine Corps. Uh, and so you made a decision to stay in LA. And when you did so at the time, I believe, no, I mean, you, you had the Marines, but when you left the Marines, you didn't have any non-Marine friends, no family in the area, no money and no job. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about kind of, you know, the, that medical decision, how that felt when you knew you weren't going to be in the Marines anymore, and then having to make a decision about staying in LA rather than going back to Philly? Yeah, I, they were like, all right, it's time, you know, you're going to get out this is the day you're going to get out. And I was like, Oh shit, what the hell am I going to do? I had no idea. I never worked a real job. I was 17 when I left. So I, I had worked for like nonprofit organizations doing these little after school jobs and stuff like that. So I didn't have any work experience or anything. And then, um, and I knew I never wanted to shovel snow in my life again. So, so I said, uh, let me, let me move out to LA and just figure it out. And I did, I just, uh, Marine Corps let me, got, you know, they, they let me out. And um, when they retired me, I think they gave me a few, few bucks. I had enough money to put a down payment on uh, my apartment, first month's rent, the down payment, and then um, small groceries. And I had like a half a tank of gas and I had to figure it out. <laughs> and I did. I got to, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's been 16 years. Right. I haven't left. You're still there. Yeah. Still there. Yep. So, Elliot, I guess I want to just touch base. So, you know, as we're so our season's about kind of, you know, understanding the veteran experience, you know, and those kind of pieces and the guys that, you know, we're meeting through MVP. You know, I'm just like from your world, you know, because you're networked with a lot of these same guys. Um, is that kind of situation fairly common for guys? You get discharged for whatever reason eventually. Uh, and there you are because the life you knew, because most guys, a lot of guys, at least it seems they, they enlist pretty early in life, you know, they don't have a lot of other skill sets other than what they've learned in, you know, their assignment. And then you're done and then you're trying to figure that out. So, and I know that's a little bit about what MVP is about, but is that, it seems like that's a pretty common experience for veterans in that way. But can you talk to us just a little bit about that and how, you know, how that maybe translate to other people that are facing some of the same situations? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's common every, you know, I feel like all these guys that are going straight out of high school, same thing. They never really worked a real job and they did. It was like fast food or something like that. Um, they go in, uh, my job was infantry. So there's not many jobs in the civilian world that that can transfer over to. So I, I got out of the Marine Corps and um, I was wounded, I, you know, so I'm retired, injured, whatever. And so I could be a police officer, security guard. There's not, there's not too many jobs in infantry you know, can transfer into. So a lot of these guys are getting out and they're going, what the hell do I do? They've never had to write a resume. They, you know, they feel like they lost that brotherhood, the camaraderie, um, especially, especially a lot of these guys that, that face a lot of adversity in, in whatever branch of service they're in. Um, and they feel like they're misunderstood. They feel like they don't fit in. Um, I dealt with all of that. Just, it was difficult to get back and after everything I experienced and then just listen to a bunch of civilians complain about 
bullshit, right? Day-to-day stuff. And, and it's just like, you feel like you're not understood. Um, when you are having a hard time, you know, uh, those guys that you were with in the barracks that, that became your brothers, they're no longer there. So you feel like you can't talk about these things to another civilian, like, cause how would you understand? How would you understand that a certain smell triggered a memory? And now I feel like I have a dark cloud over me. Right. But when you talk to a veteran and I think that's the, the great thing about MVP is that um, you walk into a room, you got, you know, 50 MVP members, all different branches of service. You never met them, but instantly you guys all understand each other. Right. There's like, you get it. You know, you know what this guy's on this, you know, this guy says, Hey man, I just woke up today and I got this dark cloud over me and I don't know why. And they're like, Hey, do you have something coming up? And you're like, yeah, you know, it's the anniversary of my friend. They're like, that's what it is. It happens to me every, every year on the anniversary of whatever, you know, and you you get it. Um, It's hard when you get out of, whatever branch and you don't have that support. Um, I think it's important, it's important to have. You need somebody to talk to. And it's also with MVP, you walk in and you don't feel like you have to have your guard up um, like you do with civilians sometimes. Uh, You can walk into that room and know that whatever it is you talk about, you feel safe in there. No one's gonna judge you. No one's gonna be like, okay, this this guy's crazy. They're gonna be like, "Damn, I like this guy. He's fucking crazy." <laughs> right? They're all yeah. in. They're all in on that. <laughs> all right. Well, cool. Okay. How did you first find MVP? So, after after years of dealing with the VA, I felt like they had did everything they could for me. Um, just I've done all the physical therapies, and I just felt like my body would just continue to break down. And I needed something. I didn't know what I needed. I wanted to start working out again, but I went to 24 hour fitness or whatever. And I was just like, I, I just couldn't get back into it, get into the rhythm, you know, and I just felt like I needed help. So I started calling around to a bunch of different gyms and I called um, Jake Glazer's gym. And uh, so I didn't know he owned it at the time, but I called him Breakable. And I'm like, hey, look, give him my story. Say, hey, look, man, I'm a vet. I'm looking for some help the VA can't do anything else for me, man. I'm hurting right now. I need to get, I need, I need help. And the guy was like, Hey, listen, it's crazy. You called, they're putting together this organization, this program for veterans. I think you'd be perfect for this. Come on over. Um, so I, it was, it was over in West Hollywood. I drove over, um, walk in and I see this, um, this really short bald guy walking around. <laughs> right. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? He walks over. And he's like, you like it? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, man. He's like, hey, so tell me what you got. And I was like, what do you mean? It's Jay, by the way, if you didn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, tell me what you got. And I was like, um, well, I, you know, I've had, you know, four surgeries on my back, a bunch of surgeries on my leg. Oh, yay. What else you got? And I was just like, you know, just went over a bunch of injuries and stuff. He's like, that's it. He looked at me. And he said, man, he put his arm on my shoulder or his hand on my shoulder and said, I got you, brother. We're going to take care of you. I got something for you. I got your back. I was back in 2015. And uh, man, Jay brought me in and changed my life. Changed my life. I, that guy's crazy, but he is, man, he's 
awesome. Since, since 2015, anything I needed, Jay's there for me. Brought me into the gym, had his guys help me uh, rehab a bunch of the problems I was having. Um, and then that's right at the beginning of MVP. Um, he said, hey, we got this program. He explained it. Look, we're pairing up veterans together, combat veterans. And we got some NFL guys that are struggling too. And it sounds like they got the same struggle that you guys got. I think it'd be cool if you guys get together. You know, they look up to you guys. You guys look up to them. And you're facing the same issues. I think, I think this is cool, man. I think you should. So we got together, did our first MVP session. And um, I've been a part of it ever since. And let me tell you that this program has changed my life. And a lot of, a lot of other guys that I've seen walking those doors struggling completely mm -hmm. changed their lives. I mean, and it sounds like, I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff that we're going to unpack with MVP, but the part that really gave me chills was just thinking about like, if somebody comes in and like, they're asking for help or somebody needs help. I mean, I think the most incredible thing that people can do is just say like, you're welcome here. And I got you. And, you know, and maybe we don't have it all figured out and maybe you don't have all the steps or like, like with Jay, like he was, it wasn't even a program yet. Right. Like, but it's still just the energy of bringing someone in and making them feel like they're a part of the community and like, and providing that network of support. Yep. So it's very yep. cool. We've seen some guys come in. I think we had a guy come in and he didn't talk for like a year. He just came, sat and listened. And then finally one day he just started talking and unpacked and everybody turned around. was like, what the hell? This guy has got a voice. He can talk. And man, he unloaded on us and he was just like, man, listen, I've just been coming here just listening to you guys and I've been struggling and this is my story. And we were just like, Poof. Some, I mean, I mean, I'll tell you, there's some guys in there. I mean, we got, we got guys in there that ripped off their own fingers to save the lives of other people. Like, right. you like, and they joke about it. Like, yeah, I just <laughs> ripped them off, chucked them reached them for a tourniquet, wrapped them up. I mean, this is the type of people we got in our group. Amazing, amazing guys. Well, there you go. Okay. Uh, well, so so then, here's a couple of things. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go go ahead. ahead. Well, I was well, going to say, so say with, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I'll cut this part. <laughs> well, you mentioned a lot. So you talked about getting a modified workout and they rehab, you did all that. You got assigned to this MVP team which kind of replaces some of the camaraderie and you get recommitted with some other military people to kind of talk about that. You had a sense of kind of family and networking with all those kind of pieces. You're still involved in the weekly meetings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, provide support to you, kind of place to speak your mind, kind of share your emotions when you want to and a space to hear other people's stories. So all pretty good stuff. And then um, how did you well, say any more about that that you want? I guess my curiosity is then, where in your MVP journey did, did you start to hear stories or get in contact with some of the former professional athletes? How did that all fit in? Um, I, I forget. Jay, right away, Jay started from the beginning. Jay started bringing in uh, former athletes. And they, okay. we've, had, we've had a ton of athletes come, both, both active and um, former athletes come in. we got a lot of guys to support us. Um, so just throughout the years, just being able to work with these guys and have them come in and and just listening to their stories and just saying, damn, you know, it, it's funny, actually, my friend, uh, good friend, Jarrell Pippins, he played for uh, the San Diego Chargers and uh, the Bears. He's from West Philadelphia. Um, I got out the Marine Corps and um, he got cut by the Chargers at the same time. And we got connected by Philadelphia friends. 
So we sort of, me and Jarrell had our own MVP connection in 2005, way before. So um, mm. it, it was just, it was just interesting. We, again, me and Jarrell, we just, we were facing a lot of the same issues. He was missing the, he was missing his team, the camaraderie in the locker room. And I was missing the camaraderie and we had each other and we just talked about the issues and stuff. And a lot of it, we didn't know what to do with money. We didn't know any of that stuff. We were trying to figure it all out. You know, he'd been, like I said, he'd been playing since Pop Warner and stuff like that. Um, so with, I actually brought him into MVP. Once I found out about MVP, I'm like, hey, Pitt, get in here. This is, you gotta, you gotta get, you know, join this organization, it's awesome. Um, so Jay, Jay always had guys coming in and out and stuff like that. So that's always cool. And it's, it's, always, it's always great to, to hear these guys' story. And um, I, think, I think sometimes maybe when, when some of these athletes hear about the, the organization, they think they're going to come in and talk, you know, have to do like a – almost okay. like, a, you know, come in and say yeah. stuff and just talk and have a whole – and just sit down and listen. That's cool. Right. Coming and well, which which is a normal thing for them to think because their entire career, especially if they had a very long career in the NFL, they're the guy people bring in at a fundraiser or a whatever to speak, and they're the ones supposed to be all motivational and all that kind of bullshit. And then, which is all good, you know, in the course of it. But once they retire and when they start to struggle with some of these other feelings and sensations, that transition out is really difficult. And so then all of a sudden to be placed back in that same role when you're trying to like figure out who am I and what am I going to do and all that kind of stuff. So at least MVP, it sounds like it then it creates kind of a safe space for them, you know, not to equate it necessarily identical to what a vet goes through, who's, you know, had a tour and all that. But at the same time, some of those emotional pieces and the transition to life after what you've known basically for your whole life, those kind of commonalities gives them a safe space to kind of shore up with you guys and then just let it go where it goes. You know, one of the, one of the biggest things that uh, the MVP has shown me is it's okay to be vulnerable. Right, man, that's hard to do. Yeah. That's hard to do sometimes in front of the people you love, um, people in your family that look up to you and see you. They hold you, and then to be vulnerable, you know. And then you walk in front of you know these fifty guys, and it's okay for you to cry and be like, "Man, I'm struggling today. I don't know what to do." And they all look at you and they're just like, "We get it, man. We're here for you. What do you need?" Yeah. You know, man, that feels good. It right. was good. And, and, and I think, and I think with the athletes, um, it's, it's awesome. They get to come in and they get to see that they're like, man, it's a bunch of badass guys in here, you know, and they, over, you know, we got, we got all types of guys in there and everyone's, you know, everyone's okay with being vulnerable in front of each other. And I, I seen the faces on some of the athletes just look and say, damn, this is okay. I get it. I get it now. I'm not, I'm not here for it. This is for, for me too. Yeah, it probably takes a little while. So it's kind of sacred, safe space to be whoever you need to be in that moment and just kind of take your own journey along with everybody else. So, well, that's that's a pretty cool deal. So, uh, well, let's transition a little bit. Emmy, you want to do the mindset piece or at least get yes. it started? Yeah. So um, one of our, so our kind of like parent company of Hidden Pearls is called Thunderbird Performance. And we do a bunch of mindset yoga, meditation, breath work, a bunch of different things. Um, and we like to talk about uh, mindset on our show with our athletes and then any of the guests that we have. Um, 
So like I said, with tools like meditation, mindfulness, affirmations, visualizations. Um, so you faced a lot in your life um, and had many different t- transitions from being in combat situations to dealing with your injuries, to your tour of hospitals, um, trying to find life after the military and being, being wounded. Um, so what kind of mindset tools have you developed that have helped you? You know, I, I think I just being in the Marine Corps, it just, you always get that, that go, 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 push, 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 you know, that's beaten into you. Um, and when I transitioned into the civilian world, I brought that with me. So I was always going, 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 kept, kept myself busy. Um, so even through all my struggles, that was sort of how I coped with all my struggles. I just kept busy. Right. But then I realized that, um, when I did slow down, I did sit down and it was quiet, all of those memories, thoughts, everything. And I knew I needed something else. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I can't go, go, go. I started to crash. And um, I was introduced to yoga, um, never, never really meditated, but to get myself to, th- uh, to get myself through things, um, definitely just talking myself up just telling myself, you know, talking to myself and just, I felt like that's been the best thing for me. It's just motivating myself. Not, I, I didn't, I felt like I didn't need outside motivations or didn't want outside motivations. I felt like if I was going to get through something, I had to push myself through it and just talking to myself. Um, so yeah, I mean, yoga has been awesome just because of everything with first off the calmness and just the quiet is just, is awesome. I just, you know, and then you're, you're constantly doing something, the stretching and all that's great for my legs and my back with all the surgeries and everything like that. So I found, and then living in LA and everyone's a yogi. Everywhere. Right? <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> just drive up and down Ventura Boulevard, you're right. going to hit 30 yoga studios. So it was awesome. It was easy for me to get into yoga. And um, so that, that was cool. So I think yoga and then just, you know, talking to myself and just keeping myself motivated. Yeah. Well, let me, so, so one of the things I heard in that, cause this is a struggle with a lot of super high performing people, you know, and I think you're right. You know, that notion of the Marine Corps is like, you don't get where you want to go by going backwards, you know what I mean? Or standing still. So I get the go, go, go. But at some point in life, we keep ourselves so busy just doing shit that you kind of ignore the internal things that are the battles that are within and the emotions that are popping up. And so you have to make that transition from doing to just kind of being present. And so yoga gives you that space and or just sitting down and finding some quiet and whatever form of meditation that looks like. And so, because really it takes a shit ton of courage, you know, to, to, you know, face, and you talk, you, you kind of refer to it as having a conversation with yourself, but you know, you have these internal emotions, you have these internal thoughts going on. And if we always stay so busy, you know, we're kind of bypassing all that and we're just patching it up and running over them. But eventually those things come up and they rear their heads on us. And so finding whatever that works for whoever, you know, however that is in their life, but finding the, you know, the space, time and courage to go back in there and face all those things, you know, in order to kind of heal them up because you can't heal them unless you address them. So, so yoga is in and some quiet space. That's all, that's all pretty good. Uh, well, here's what just kind of in that same vein, because um, you've been through a lot and, and then with the 16 years. And so now you're married and, got 10 years in, I think at least with the same company and doing well there, all those kind of pieces. And you've made some of these adjustments. What are some of the kind of key life lessons that you've learned kind of through this, that, 
you might want to share with some of the folks listening. And maybe you've already shared them, so that's okay. You don't have to just kind of dig anything up. But I mean, if there's anything else that's kind of obvious for you that, you know, has been really helpful, what might some of those things be? Man, you know, just with pushing through everything that, that I've been through, I, I think just just trying to stay mentally strong, whatever it is that gets you mentally strong, you know, everyone's different. But for me, it's just been self-motivation to get me through things. Um, just again, just sitting there and just talking myself through things. And just, um, that's been a big thing for me. It's just, and, and that goes for everything in life. You know, um, you know, I've been, I've been married now 11 years and um, marriage is, you work on that daily. And it's just sort of like, <laughs> like, you know, just, yeah. So just talking, you know, talking myself through things and just saying, it's all right. It's all right that this didn't get done today. You know, things that I, goals that I set for myself, um, you know, so it's just, Hey, it's all right that this didn't get done today. Let's, let's put it on the block for tomorrow and just sort of talk, just things like that. Just talking myself through things. And, um, you know, I, I use that a, a great example of that, that I use was, uh, I climbed Kilimanjaro a few years ago with, um, with Chris Long uh, and the water right. boys, Nate. Um, and, uh, and the day we summoned it was rough on me. Um, my legs were just like, they had a mind of their own. They were going in every direction. And uh, for that, la I, I mean, I think for eight hours, I talked to myself. And man, I fell to my knees, cried, talked myself up, hey, get up out loud, just talking to myself because I needed to hear it, but I didn't want to hear it from anybody else. Um, and man, I talked, I talked myself through that. And uh, that was, that was, that was one of the, the big ones for me right there. That was, that was life changing. That just showed me the power of will and, you know, just what, what the brain can do. Sometimes the brain is stronger than, you know, than you think, you know, and of course there's always doubt. There's always, there's always that voice in the back that says, that's it, man, you're done. That's it. And you just got to dig deep and say, nah, I'm getting started. Let's go. Right. That's the one voice, but there's another voice waiting to, to respond to that one. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, man, that was, I, I, uh, I, I'll never forget this. We got, I got all the way to some, I felt, I fell to my knees and uh, we had this, this British uh, special forces guy there on the mountain and he came over. He said, Hey mate, you hear that? And I'm like crying. Oh, I'm fucking done. <laughs> so you hear that? And I just heard. Ah. He's like, "Those are your mates. They're calling you." And I look up, and it's like Chris and a bunch of the other guys. Oh, and I'm just like, "There's no way I can make it all the way over there." And I was just like, "Get up!" It was like one of those things. It was it was such an awesome feeling. I get there, and freaking Chris gives me this bear hug, and they uh, they had me walk up and touch the sign first, like at the summit. Right. And man, that was that was an awesome moment. But that's that's a perfect example of how just mentally just talking to myself right. I talk myself through that thing man they must have thought I was nuts all those all the porters and everything it's like this guy's in there talking to himself he's crazy yeah. is that yeah. was that the trip that Ben Garland was on was no, Ben on ben it with you on that one. okay was ben on that one? no ben, ben went with um with Kelsey right Ooh. I don't know uh, I don't know if that's right well the, for folks listening uh we did a show with Ben or with Chris Long uh, episode 10 Episode 10 on the Water Boys last year. They were one of our charities that we sponsored. So if you want to know more about the Water Boys, check them out because great organization. And then uh, there's, it's not called Water Girls or Water Women, but there's, they're doing a water female party. Yeah, water, water for, for her. her. 
Yeah, so we're part, we're trying to partner with them on that as well. So anyway, really encourage people to check that out. So, well, that's pretty cool. Okay, so uh, let's do this. And then, so the rest of the story, we talked about your career, got married, new baby girl, and what's her name? Emily. Emily, okay. So kind of at a year and a half. So that is all super, super cool. So, um, so again, you know, when you and I first talked about the show, we were going to do a different kind of charity and we're going to do something else in Philly, but because of your connection, and this is our first show with MVP, um, we just decided to kind of wrap the show around that MVP uh, piece. So we're really happy about doing that. We're happy with our partnership with them and we're working with Nate and Jay and those guys to kind of put all those pieces together. So we're really excited about that. So, um, so some of the veteran issues, we've talked about them, some of the common experiences, I'm sure you're not the first guy that's found himself a couple of years down the road after an injury dealing with some drug addiction and or dependency kind of issues, the jobs and all those kind of things. So um, are there any other kind of issues like that that we haven't talked about for vets that you'd just like to kind of highlight for people um, just to help people understand a little bit more about what maybe some of the needs of returning vets might be? You know, I, I just think um, and, and I, over the past was that 15, 16 years, I've seen so many different organizations come up and with, you know, serving vets in all different ways, which I think is amazing. I think it's great. Um, but, you know, every vet's different. Um, there's so many things. There's, there's so many veterans that need, like, need, physically need things, uh, mental health, you know, things like that, all types of support. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think what we highlighted was just great, man. A lot of the combat veterans need the mental health, uh, mental support. They need, I think all veterans need that brotherhood, that camaraderie. Um, we miss that in the civilian life. Um, that's been, I, you know, I hear all the stories from all the guys and um, they, it, it's just over and over. Every single, every vet that I've talked to this part of MVP all said the same thing. Like, man, this feels good. This feels like I'm back in the barracks, shooting the shit with the guys and just, you know, um, and the same thing with the, with the, um, the female veterans. We got a ton of badass female veterans, um, and it's, it's just awesome, man. It's, I think I think that's I think that's a big thing for us is having that support, that uh, that brotherhood. Okay. And sisterhood. Well, then, yeah, and sisterhood. Yeah, good language matters. So that's and good. sisterhood. Yeah, and sisterhood. Let me tell so you, mom, that. Now, can I just talk, my friend Kirsty? Have you have you heard of Kirsty Kirstyanis? I haven't gotten her name. I don't no. think so. Oh my goodness. One of the members, amazing. Um, she also climbed Kilimanjaro. She just uh, she goes around, climbs all the tallest mountains. She uh, she was a marine. Uh, helicopter got shot down, um, amputee, um, and now she's just like killing it right now, just in life. Just she's such an awesome person. She's she's flying people out to do mountain climbing. She does mountain climbing, so she she gets them fitted with prosthetics, all types of stuff, man. It's, so that's, that's, again, another, another one of our vets of MVP, but, you know, you, you hear, you hear a lot, a lot about the, uh, the female veterans and stuff like that, man, bunch of badasses, then they're kicking ass with us. Right. Well, I appreciate sharing that story. So we'll have to chat with Nate, who we're working with on getting our schedule put together. So we'll make sure maybe we get uh, Christy on, because that sounds like a great story. So we'd love to have her on as well. So, okay, well then, anything you'd like, Generally, people, what would you encourage people to do either about supporting vets in general, you know, just the kind of general citizenship out there and or how can people help support MVP and what they're doing? Yeah, just 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 understanding, just the understanding um, 
If you have a, a veteran that's struggling in your family, be patient. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of these guys have seen things that, uh, and been through things that, you know, you'd only see in movies and sometimes, you know, 10 times worse. So, right. So just be patient with them, um, be understanding and just be supportive of what their needs are. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, I, I don't know if you guys can link MVP or whatever, but uh, just okay. check out check out MVP and then um, you, you can read up on some of the stories of some of our veterans. And uh, I think it's awesome. I think we have seven chapters now. Um, we're all over Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, LA, uh, missing some places, but um, Seattle. Um, so I, I I think this is I think this is something that needs to be in every in every state. Right, because this is this this isn't just this is veterans are everywhere, right? So we they all need the support. They all need this. I think it's awesome that um, NFL teams have uh, paired, have teamed up with MVP um, to help out. So I think it's all like uh, uh, the Rams are you know constantly doing stuff with the veterans, which I think is great. Um, Seattle, all those teams, all wherever the, wherever there's a chapter, usually the NFL team teams up. And I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. And like I said earlier, it's just, you got these veterans that are looking up to these guys and these guys, you know, these NFL players that are looking up to the veterans. So they just, they get to trade stories and it's just, it's just cool. A lot, a lot of these veterans um, have issues going to these crowded places, right? They, they don't feel comfortable in crowds. So it's, it's almost therapeutic, right? You get, you get a bunch of these guys together. Now they feel safe because they're all together. So you got a veteran that goes out with his family and he feels like he needs to be the one that has his eyes open, taking a look at the exits, doing all that stuff. And you got like 10 or 15 of these guys going out together and they feel like they let, they can let their guard down a little bit because they know the guy to the left and to the right of him are looking out for him, right? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of crazy how it works. It's just very therapeutic and you get to these games and it's just loud crowds and stuff. And a lot of these guys haven't been in these large crowds in so long because of the issues they're facing. So um you know i think it's the nfl a lot of these nfl players don't even realize how much they're helping these guys it's almost it's almost therapeutic you know yeah so awesome yeah. i mean so yeah you can help yeah. out. Check us okay out. so then um so it kind of reminds me last uh, season we also did one a good family friend he served in the navy and there's a group actually he's still in southern cal and it's called the irreverent warriors and so they do kind of these walks or, you know, and they get together and wear underwear and, you know, and, silkies, uh, <laughs> silkies oh, they call them. Yeah. 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 They do, so they, do the walks. they do the walks in the silkies. So it's just, it's oh, just yeah. and then they just kind of, it's like, they, it's a little bit like a bar crawl is kind of the idea I got. I don't want to make, you know, not for everybody, but anyway, and they just kind of bop around and they do these walks, you know, and they kind of just, it's a way to get all these guys together and raise some money and do all that kind of stuff. So, um, well, we, we certainly want to kind of support all those pieces. So, all right. And then, so we've got two tickets waiting for you and we'll call for the Eagles game. Oh, so you'll, you'll, you'll be all set for that. And then we're also really proud to announce. Um, so my brother-in-law, so my wife, Jan's got nine sisters and one of the sisters married a gentleman by the name of Pat Cohen. So Pat's still in Iowa, but he's got two tours in longtime Iowa national guard. And, um, so uh, kind of through some connections there, the Iowa National Guard folks got hooked up with the Pennsylvania National Guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been talking with one of the majors there. And so we're going to have at least somewhere between six and 10 um, Pennsylvania National Guard folks, veterans, 
that we're going to be helping host at the event as well. So I think they're going to be in the same section with you. I don't know because it's a different number, but we're trying to do that. But we'll certainly share uh, your contact info with those guys just so, you know, you might make a connection there with those guys as well because uh, they're going to be there. So we're super excited to be able to do that. So, uh, Emma, you can ask that last question that we like to ask. So we believe in hope um, and that the glass is always half full and it's pretty amazing. Like hearing your story, it also sounds like you really embody that. Um, so what are some things that give you hope at this point in your life? My daughter. Oh man. I look in, I look into her eyes and it's just amazing. Fatherhood. I was always the funkle, right? The fun uncle. And then I always thought that was it. Oh my God, I love my nieces and nephews. And then I had my daughter and I was just like, oh, this is amazing. And uh, she helps me push through sometimes. You know, everybody has tough times and it's just, there's plenty of times where I'm just down and she walks over and she's like, Bobby. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's so awesome. Um, you know, and then I, my, my biggest thing now, I, I think in life is um, really working with veterans. You know, you, we, I talk about the, uh, that mission, you know, we had, we always had a mission in the military. And then once I got out of the military, I felt like I didn't have a mission. I didn't know what my mission was. Um, mm-hmm. So now I have a mission, my daughter, uh, my wife, and then working with veterans to make sure that I help out veterans and that they're not uh, going through the same struggles that I went through um, or help them get out of, you know, those dark times or those places that they're in um, that I've been in and I can just, however I can help. Um, so that's my, that's my mission. That's, that's what motivates me. Um, family and veterans. Yeah. Well, that's a really good one. So our, um, our mindful awareness and performance our kind of little mission statement, at least at some part is helping people discover and express their authentic self, which is a little bit like that, you know what I mean? Cause you go through life experiences and sometimes that authenticity or, you know, who you're meant to be in your purpose, they get, it gets cloudy. Sometimes you can't quite see it. And so uh, that's a great mission to have. And we're super excited to be partnering with MVP uh, as part of this and then uh, to have hosted you on this show. So uh, very grateful for that. So, okay. Anything else you want people to know either about your story, MVP or veterans or anything like that as we're kind of wrapping up. Emmy, well, you should, we better give a little hope, hadn't we? We always tried to, I'm so pretty hopeful. So, uh, let's see, you know what I'm pretty excited about, like, cause I'm working with MVP now and I'm getting all these vet names and now I'm, you know, the national guard guys are coming out of the red board. So like, I'm talking to all these veterans, like all the time. So, and you know, it's really interesting. I guess I'll just own this, you know, like, so I, I graduated high school in the late seventies in the middle of the Vietnam war and my family, my dad served in the air force, you know, proudly, but he served in between kind of Korea and Vietnam, you know what I mean? So he didn't have active duty and it was just one of those obligatory, you know, kind of two years and out kind of deal. Um, and my mom was, she was kind of a peace protester, you know, women's rights, all that kind of stuff. So she was really adamantly opposed to the Vietnam War. And, mm-hmm. you know, I won't go into too much detail. So like at the point where I was about to turn 18, um, she just flat out said, like, look, I'm, we're going to Canada. That ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which was, and I'm like, I, I don't, you know, being like at my 17, because I wasn't exposed to it like you were, you know, I didn't get that. Um, and so I've kind of, you know, was with that kind of, and then right before my 18th birthday, you know, they dropped the mandatory, they got out of Vietnam and all that kind of stuff. And so the things really changed. So I never served in military in that kind of way, you know, but that was kind of that experience. And I've always had kind of questions 
about the use of force in some kind of ways. So disagreed with our government and some of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's been really hopeful to me because the more and more veterans that I meet and the more and more stories, you know, that I hear and those connections, you know, it's just really, I guess, filling me with a lot of pride about the strength of humanity and the people who serve and protect our country. You know what I mean? And that, and just appreciate the depth of that sacrifice and the ways in which people have given their lives and or like, and you you know, changed your entire life trajectory because of it uh, in order to protect some of the things that we, all the things that we hold dear here. So I'm really hopeful about all those kind of things and that, you know, the more you hear stories, the more we understand again about how more similar we are the greatest moments of my life were the birth of my two kids. You know what I mean? And those are the things that still give me hope in this world. And so I deeply feel that connection and very excited for you in that way. And we're really excited about our partnership to, to bring more of these stories, you know, to our listenership uh, throughout the year. And we're looking forward to doing that. So, all right, Emmy, you want to add anything or? I'm sorry. Can I, so yeah, you, go ahead. You, you, talked, you talked about, I'm sorry to drag, drag but, uh, no. you know, you, we're talking about kids and stuff. And um, I mentioned earlier how my father always told these great stories. Um, me and my father have a, a, an amazing, he's, he's actually my great uncle. He adopted me at the age of one. Um, so my great uncle and my great aunt um, adopted me. And uh, so since he always talked about all the good stories and everything, I always said to myself, I got to do something else for him. You know, I joined the Marine Corps to make him proud and which ended up being amazing for me and all that, but I said, I gotta do something for him. So I planned a surprise trip and took him back to Vietnam. And uh, <laughs> it was a few years ago, I took him to, uh, I took him the same time that Barack Obama had went. Okay. So I didn't know that that was planned or anything like that. He just happened to get there while we were there. Um, but we did, like, we made it a cultural trip so he can actually see the beauty of it. Cause that's what he talked about, the beauty of the country and all that. So we toured, we went to Saigon, we went up to Hanoi, we, you know, we went to the islands and all that stuff. And I felt, I actually got to go back to the Middle East after my injury and I was there for a few months and stuff like that. And I felt like that helped me close a chapter in my life. Right. And I was hoping that it would do the same for him and, I, and it absolutely did. So we got to spend, we, we had the time of our mm-hmm. lives out there and it was just awesome. And we did some military stuff in there. We went to go see the museums and stuff like that. But I didn't want to do too much of that. I wanted to do more of the cultural experience. Mm-hmm. And um, so we toured all over. It was awesome. And uh, it, was, it was a great trip. And I thought about him and I thought about my mom because you said how your mother was, um, how she um, like an activist. And mm-hmm. my, my great aunt that raised my mother, right? She, uh, um, the same with her, right? She was always against, she was... Um, she was always involved in the community and just um, yeah. with against against the military in Puerto Rico, the bombing of Vieques Island. I grew up like just remembering all of these things, right? Just big activists. So it's funny. I had my father was a Marine. My mom was badass out in the streets. And so it was, it was awesome. Man. So anyway, I thought of that really quick. Yeah. Yeah. And you were the apple of their eye and you were one thing that gave them hope. Yeah. you know, coming into their lives. Uh, so that's great. Okay. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you so much. Okay. Lubu, close us out. Ooh. Um, I think mm, what gives me hope is people who are able to open their arms and pull other people in and, and use the resources 
So talents, treasures, time, um, to really make an impact and just be there for people. And I think, I think a lot of times we feel like we have to have so many things figured out or that there has to be this whole structure in play or that you have to like know exactly where this is going. And a lot of times people just need friends and just need community and just need somebody to listen. And so I think, I mean, it's so cool. I'm, I'm so happy that you found MVP when you did and that you're now a member of it and that you're on the show with us and sharing this story. Um, yeah, it, I just, I'm really happy about the show and the podcast and just your message of love and bringing people in and, you know, being vulnerable and the power of that. Cause I think there's this incredible movement. And I think we've talked about this almost every show of just like this kind of toxic masculinity of where people have to be macho and have to have these walls up. And it just feels like the walls are coming down and it's so much more of let's just heal together and be together and grow together, you know, and learn and love and all the things. And so I'm also very excited. I hope I get to see you at the game. We'll all be there. So that would be, that'd be great too. We'll set up a photo. All right. And who are you taking to the game? Who's going with you? I'll take Benny with me. Benny, Benny, Benny uh, that's my cousin. He's been um, huge support for me throughout. You know, I, I just had, I didn't mention earlier, I had, I had, I have MS also. So I had an MS flare up um, recently and my right leg, which was injured in the war, uh, went completely dead. So I had zero use of it. So he actually flew out from Philly and helped me uh, go to all my, drove me to all my appointments and all that good stuff. And just throughout my life, you know, we've, we've, always been very close and he's been supportive so i'm going i'm going to philly to help him move and then um i guess i'll let him know we're going to go to a game too now you're going to know yeah so well so uh what what was the philly slang that you were going to teach us john john is a noun it's a person place or thing right you can just use it for anything so when you (laughs) and you'll probably see a bunch of uh people walking around with john shirts right they just say john and john it j-a-w-n and it's uh you can point to anything and say hey let me get that let me get that john or hey we're gonna go to that john over there ah. you get it okay so it can be anything. Okay. So you could be talking oh. about you could be talking about hey you see that john over there you know you, whatever it is you can use it for anything hey oh man hey, we're gonna hey, be john and hey. all over philly next week yeah, john. I got, john I gotta, we gotta get a john t-shirt i gotta you do got that. To. all right all right brother all right well elliot <laughs> Appreciate your time. We wish you the very best with everything. And then uh, we're going to check, you know, because we're doing the Rams game. We'll be down there for the Rams game eventually. And maybe we can coordinate it in a way that we maybe we can make an MVP meeting. And I don't know if you do that. I'm not trying to barge in or anything, but maybe we at least could come by and, you know, meet a few guys and do all that kind of stuff as part of that. Because we'll um, have somebody probably from that chapter as part of the show for the Rams and all that kind of thing. So uh, maybe that's something we can work on as well. But anyway, Wish you the very best. Enjoy the game. And then, uh, yeah, when you're getting to the game, uh, just shoot us a text and uh, we'll kind of coordinate. Maybe we can meet somewhere inside the stadium and get a hi, how are you? And we'll get a pick and all that kind of stuff and share that with everybody. All right. All right, brother. Okay. Well, take care. Safe travels. Good luck with the move. And uh, hope your physical healing and otherwise uh, keeps on the path. All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate you both. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. All right, everybody, we are super excited to welcome back the first Ask George question or segment of our podcast. So, uh, GK, you ready to roll? Yes, I am. Let's go. 
I wish the whole dance had been caught on zoom. Oh, all right. So first question is Kevin from Canada. Oh, Hey there, Kevin. Oh, hey. How you doing? Eh? Sorry. Sorry. Kevin from Toronto here. Since KB Kendrick Bourne is now with new England, will you be leading the team in locker room and on the field with your dance moves? If not you, who on the team is a top can- candidate to win a dance off? Hope you love the Kittle Canadian flag. This is the guy who sent us the big flag at your face. Sick. Thank you for the, the face flag. It was awesome. Um, let's see. Well, like my dance moves are very original and unique. Um, some people might not love them, but I will continue to dance, you know, dance your own music. But um, Ayuk's a fantastic dancer and so is Debo. Um, they're both, they both got it. Uh, you know, I could even throw like Trent Williams in there or Mike after a few beers. Yeah. But I'll, you know, uh, you know, tight end room does all right. For actually, sure. we do actually at a high level is we got Jordan Matthews now, who's actually a top tier freestyler. And I, you know, at some point we we might have to have Jordan Matthews on because he's got an awesome story. Plus, he can freestyle rap on any beat, and he always raps about football and good vibes. It's awesome, and like he brings every, everyone that's listening. He like raps about them, so he'll like rap about Dwelly, then Charlie, then me, Coach Embo, Coach Shanahan. Jimmy G he'll just like anyone that's looking at him he'll just start rapping about them it's really cool that's amazing I feel like we should have a talent show at the next TU all right cool next all right this is Danny from Australia thanks Danny oh hey there Kittle fam can't wait for the season to start George what do you believe is essential to having a positive mindset and how do you move yourself from a negative mindset if you are in one much love from Australia sick question um Let's go. I mean, like, there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, there's a whole bunch of different paths you can take. Um, I think, uh, well, here's two things. One thing I just learned from Zach Ertz. Um, well, I didn't learn it, but he said it and was like, have a great routine every single day. Try to be your best self each and every single day, because when you're your best self on Monday and then your best self on Tuesday, you're going to be a little bit better on Wednesday and then a little bit better on Thursday, a little bit better on Friday. And next thing you know, it, you decided a week of being your best self. And it can, I mean, like a lot of things can happen, but you're on the right trajectory of going. And what do we always say, Bruce? Small, consistent steps in the right direction lead to great results. Bang, put on a t-shirt. But um, that is something that I live by. And you just want to continue to be moving in the right direction. And you might not know where the direction is, but as long as you're making positive steps, that's a good thing. Second of all, one way to stay in a positive mindset and or um, get out of a negative one. Why are you in the negative mindset and who you're putting yourself around? Surround yourself with fantastic people. Surround yourself with people that are going to make you your best self because if you do not, you're, you can't be your best self because like, an, like what, is, what did my dad say? He always said, you are the average of the five friends around you. And uh, if you have three shitty friends and two cool friends, you're probably going to be shittier. If you have five shitty friends, you're probably going to be a shitty dude. Like, don't do that. Surround yourself with good people that want to be positive, that want to make a good impact in their lives and the lives around them. Um, so, yeah, friends are like elevators. You're either going up or you're going way down, and you want to be going up and elevate at all times. Don't, like, don't take shortcuts and stuff like that because life knows. So positive mindset, surround yourself with good people, have great routines. Bang, print it. Wow, brother. I am so inspired. Um, I The last thing I just want to add on that is I feel like sometimes when – you know, we look at George or other big superstar athletes. Ooh, he's got his toe spacers in. Um, we see like, it's normal for, you know, it's normal for us to think like they have these routines, they have these, 
kind of like values and mindsets, but there's no reason why people when they're not performing shouldn't have those either, you know? So always try to like, think about how you can be your best. Just because like, if people aren't watching, that doesn't, that's not an excuse to not slack or to not be your best. So definitely. Um, thank you for those, Georgie. That was great. One more thing. Hold yourself accountable. Like seriously, like just do it. If there's things wrong in your life, look in the mirror and say, what am I doing that are making these things wrong? And like, I know like there are things that you cannot control. And then at the end of the day, like, you got to worry about what you can control and just try to be your best self. And I get that. And there's going to be things that add a, shit, a ton of pressure to you and all these things, but like make good decisions under those pressures. Like don't do things that you're going to look back at the next day and be having like, Oh, why would I do that? Like, don't make it be a memory that look, three years down the line, you look back and like, that was the turning point in my life where I did a bunch of bad things. Cause like, I mean, like I, I I'm very happy with where I am, but like, I still look back at college. I'm like, I really wish I wouldn't have done a lot of those things or some of the, like, a decision I made here, a business decision, like think it through, like, where do you want to be? You know what? You know, let me dive in just a little bit more, Emma. Let me dive in a little bit more. I think I've shared this before, but in college, I didn't see the field for three and a half years, basically. Like didn't even sniff it. A little bit of special teams here and there, but I didn't, I got like maybe three or four offensive plays a week, like plays maybe. Um, and I just remember I looked myself in the mirror after conversation with a former Iowa player. And I was like, you know, why is the reason you're not on a football field? Why are you not on the football field? And it was because the decisions I was making were not aligned with what my dreams were. My dreams were to play in the NFL. Okay. Well, did some of the, a lot of the decision I was making did nothing to do with my dream. And so what is the point of that? Why am I like, taking time. Again, I never, like, trust me, I never missed a workout. I worked my ass off. I was hard. Like I pride myself being the hardest work in the room. I work my tail off. Um, but the things that I would do with the other 15 hours in the day was either a waste of time or just stupid. And so it's just like, look yourself in the mirror and then hold yourself accountable to those things, because that is the only reason that I am where I am. Um, and I don't blame other people for shit that you do. Like it's your fault. You picked up the phone and went out or you did this. You made that decision. All right. I'm done. Now. Sorry. That's the David Goggins mirror exam, right? Look yourself look, in the mirror. Do it. Fucking a, look yourself in the mirror and be honest, like really honest and don't bullshit yourself. Cause as long as you continue to lie to yourself, your life ain't going anywhere. Okay. Emmy next. Is that it? That's it guys. I mean, that that's a wrap. That's, that's a way to end the show right there. That was awesome. Sick. G. All right, right, everyone, just want to give a big thank you for being a part of that episode, uh, for sticking around, for sharing it, for helping us promote, for any reviews that you guys leave, and also for submitting your Ask George questions. Those have been very fun to read and get caught up on. If you are interested in submitting an Ask George question, you can do that at info at thunderbirdperformance.com. Dot com and then uh, just put hashtag ask George in the subject line and I will go through and sort all of those. Um, if you guys want to find us on any other platforms, we're Hidden Pearls Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and then on Twitter, we're Hidden Pearls Pod. We're also on Facebook, Hidden Pearls Podcast. So we just try to share different clips of 
different quotes or mindful minute, um, any other aspects to just kind of, so that we can be there and offer this message to you guys in any way that you like to consume it. Um, if you want to find all of our videos, like the water boys one with Chris Long and Ben Garland, that is episode 10. And you can go to thunderbirdperformance.com. There's a tab up at the top that says hidden pulse podcast. Um, or you can find us on YouTube, just search thunderbird performance or hidden pulse podcast, and you'll find everything there. But just want to say thank you so much. Um, if you guys have the time, have the space, want to put the energy into it. We so appreciate any reviews that you guys leave because it helps us to really get our message out there and connect with other people, um, whether that be players, vets, just people who need to hear this message and maybe feel like they're a part of the community. So thank you guys so much and go Niners. Yeah.